this is exactly Kurosawa. Let's get into it because Kurosawa is dealing with exactly Kurosawa. Like We're gonna open with that. With that, yes. with saying, let's get into it. No one's gonna know. We just had an hour-long conversation about what? About who knows what? They'll exactly. never know. No one will ever find out what that conversation was. John, you want to get us into the episode on Kurosawa? Kurosawa. We've got. We are welcoming back Tony Stella. We are very, very psyched to have him back. I'm still reeling, uh, Tony, from the Suzuki episode. I still think about it all the time, and I still go back to those movies. And just, I, I'm so grateful for my like new appreciation for that director and his work through you talking to you and talking to Chris, reviewing those films again. It's just, it's been a revelation for me in terms Don, of. Don, uh, we got you all wound up from this talk, the pre-talk before all this. Wound up. Yeah, I hear it's how excited you are. Yeah, but but it's, it, I felt the same way, guys. And 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 listening to you, I'm always I'm I'm sitting hours and days and nights on the easel, and to to listen to you guys and really feel so many of my thoughts and and finding new things reflected not only in films and books. It's always such a pleasure. And then being able to even talk to you guys about this, it gets me out of my isolation uh, uh, kind of, you know, um, uh, exile that I self-imposed exile. And, and on a topic like this, Suzuki, or now we've, we're tackling only one movie, but I feel there, there, there's such a, um, there's such a, a, a an interesting thing when, when we did what we did. I, I It's kind of taking a whole filmmaker under his entire oeuvre in one episode was such a monumental task. And I, that's why I think like John, yeah. I, st I still think about it because it made me re-examine all those movies that I lived with for so long. And then we plan to do Konishikawa, which we're still doing at some point, but it's also nice now to just reconvene on one. Yeah, <laughs> to do the opposite, to do laser right. focused. Although this is such a like, um interesting movie it's not kurosawa's entire career in one film it's a right. it's a very strange one-off for him in a lot of ways but it is it is fascinating to talk about this movie especially with you who i know to be like us you know kurosawa major super fans you know kind of thing and to kind of have that that different approach to talking about a filmmaker that's sort of he's just so huge and so monumental we just talked about high and low a couple months ago to yeah. just sort of like you couldn't you couldn't do kurosawa all in one episode it would be impossible I, it's yeah it did, that's why i did talk about the entire solar system in one sitting right. you know and I did uh, with Wrong Real, I did it with James, I did all the Jidageki Kurosawa, so to, yeah. to get those kind of big boys out of the way. And what we always planned to do was a part two and a part three, and then to kind of do this in these sections. But it would yeah. have been there, so it would have been like kind of thrown in there. And it's something that I heard on you guys' episode when it came both in, into your top tens, and this is not a regular occurrence. And I was like, thank God, guys, because I was kind of listening very yeah. closely, saying oh, <laughs> it better be in there. And when it came in there, I was so happy and that's how kind of the plan formulate we got to talk about this because not only is it um one of my favorite kurosawas but it's one of my favorite books and this yeah. is sort of something i grew up with from my great-grandfather read this to me when i was a small boy and this is something that I, it's it's so fused with my dna that i didn't know certain parts of it reappear like fragments sometimes before I even watched the movie where I knew about the tiger hunt. I knew about the way he told it to me. And he had several books um, that I would sit on his lap and he would get those books out and have vague, vague memories, obviously, because it's my great grandfather. And, but um, a huge man, he was famous for his big 
oratory speeches and this tiger hunt that he comes from Yasu Usala that he was telling me about. And he 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 fashioned it out a bit. And then years later, when I read it for myself again, I found it very toned down, obviously, but I sort of fell in love with this book. And it's part of this obsession I had with Richard Prenicky. I don't know if you guys know him. It's it's one of my favorite authors. And this was also kind of a one man's wilderness is the book. And it's his Alaskan survival sort of journey. And there's footage of him building his cabin. And then I used to love the Shackleton yeah. explorer journey. And it's all these survival stories in the jungle or Alaska and up in these remote stories that I really, really loved as a kid. That's and interesting. Added- right now, my son is reading Hatchet. Have you ever read right. Hatchet? A similar, like the yeah. kid crashes on the airplane. And I just happened to be reading all about the Donner Party this past week. I was right. reading about the uh, the Donner Party. So it's weird to sort of in that dual context, like, oh, my son is like reading survivalist stuff. And he's such a city kid, too. He's he's like lived in right. queens his entire life yeah it too. is funny to like think about like i think that's why it has that fascination for us yeah. it was a subway kid you know all the time i, I would never wanted to leave i'm I, I wouldn't survive a second out there but, yeah uh, but uh but i but, did but love... the book, for the first time tony i, I realized you must right. have that special connection to this because uh arsenoff the writer of the Arsenev, book and... yeah they're sending off the uh yeah i want to say <laughs> sorry yeah exactly but um yeah he uh he mentions in the book you know being a fan of uh, uh fenimore cooper being a fan of thomas main reed and all the great adventure you know uh, stories that came out of that era and i i know that you're a big fan of that kind of stuff frontier exactly stuff. so uh, i yeah. on the reread i didn't pick up on the uh on the line again i didn't reread it for this episode but uh, last time i read it and i was frantically searching for my copy because it's a very beautiful one and i don't have it anymore it's gone somewhere so i need to need to definitely find it but i marked that passage it's it's marked in pencil on the side uh, because yeah jingach gok and all the the kind of northern indian native american tribe stories are very particular fascination as a kid like an obsession almost at some point and i think it's because of that like you said um uh, Chris, it's 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 because it was so other and it's so far removed and it puts you in this cozy spot where you're in the city and the streetcars are going outside, but you're reading about, you know, the Arctic nights and, and the tiger on the prowl. And it was something <laughs> yeah. that I loved so much. And when I first, I forgot when I first saw the Suosala, the film, um, I saw, I saw, I don't know if you guys saw the 61 version. I was looking Soviet for it. Version. I was not able to find a copy. I hadn't even heard of it until yeah. this, until this we started. It's one of my favorite posters of all time. It's, it's one of my favorite posters and it's been, it's been looming out there because of the poster. I've always seen the poster. It's gorgeous. Just a tiger across with the slight suggestion yeah. of the woods and there. So just kind of holding his hands up. Beautiful. But the film, you didn't miss much. It's nevertheless interesting. Of course, if you love the topic to see the differences and i'll probably go back and forth between the different versions here but when you first see uh kurosawa is obviously i believe the best filmmaker in the entire world who made the best film of all time so there's no secrecy there when you see a favorite book adapted by such a master it is a fascinating study because you then get to know we all know how much and especially on you guys book episodes which i particularly love that is that you see the problems and adaption transporting into another medium and what is sometimes particularly good in a book will be lost in a film and and these obvious trifles uh uh, pitfalls but uh, here it's a master filmmaking taking on such a it's even harder and what the critics completely overlooked at the time because it is such a, and it's not a dry account, but it's an unsentimental 
a, a, a journal account without any yeah. sap. And when the master filmmakers used to doing the big bombast and especially coming off, you know, these, these masterworks to then not fall into the pitfalls of adapting and giving too much dialogue and so much. It's, it's really masterful to see the, the connection between the book and, and the film and each scene and how it lives in the movie. Yeah, well, I think that's an important thing to kind of get off the right at the bat, sort of the reputation of this movie, where it came from Kurosawa's career at the time, because for me, my personal experience with it was it was considered lesser Kurosawa, you know, at the time. Right. So when I saw it, I had that that made an impression on me. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is not this is not Seven Samurai. This is not High and Low. This is one of his, you know, kind of eh, personal movies, whatever you want to call it. It's not, you know, a major film. And I was shocked recently to watch it again and realize what a masterpiece it is and why it was never considered that, that Donald Ritchie didn't even write the section of it in his, uh, his updated Kurosawa book. He disliked it so much. He had someone ghostwrite that right. part of the book that has that weird reputation. Even Kurosawa, you know, uh, his greatest, and and writers, his greatest ally. Yeah. Just write it off. Ritchie, yeah. Greatest ally. And what he said was so uh, horrific. He, he, he's, he justified it by saying, the first part I, I can't recall. He said something like, "Oh, they are, they they don't interest me," which is all right. Strange when you when you when you are the one who's responsible for this <laughs> man being viewed in the West. But then he wrote because the, the, his justification was they're so different, and that's all he said. They're so different, and it's sort of very much what happened to David Lean with Ryan's daughter and the attack by, you know, the, the new hipster critics of the seventies who would hate anybody who would, you know, that horrible event that he went to, uh, uh, where, where he like Pauline 17 Kale, millimeter Pauline Kale, yeah, right. Yeah. And she called it, they called it a piece of shit to his face. And he said, you know, you won't be happy until I shoot in 60 millimeter and black and white again. And then she said, sort of, sort of offhand, like, we'll give you color. And it's sort of that. God, I hate like, her so <laughs> much. And yes, go I, back and read it. This was for, in regards to the other thing we were talking about. Her 1980 book, I can't remember what it's called now, that's sort of like making all these predictions on the future of what is going to happen in film art. It, all of it is wrong. Every yes. single thing. You could not be more wrong than she was in an objective way. Anyway, go on. And to yes, and just the, the rudeness of, of of then the the kind of chutzpah or whatever you might call the gall to step into this as a critic to step into a master old man filmmaker and just call it a piece of shit to his face. It's just and David Lean describes it heartbreakingly that he was so we all have been in this situation when you're just overrun by he he said that he should have left, but he was just so trying to make his arguments for it that he was stalled and so hurt by it. And this is sort of very much like like you said, John, the reception of Desu, which is now in retrospect, really hard to believe. We always think of Dodeska then as a sort of low point in a subsequent suicide yeah. attempt. And then it's sort of Desu is the pickup mark where we think, oh, now this is the road to his later great works and his recognition. It isn't. And especially we'll examine it a little bit closer in his mental state that he was in, because I suggest that this is one of his most personal films. It's so Desu's intimate. It's both his most... Uh, cosmically huge and his most intimate film yes it's by far anyway sorry there's who's there's who's fate and his absolute despair as we later learn that he's not able to be a hunter anymore mirrors exactly the fate that drove the, the motivation that drove Kurosawa to the suicide attempt when he was seeing the japanese film industry in the decline and then his attempts to reinvigorate it were all sort of you know TV was the only option for him. He thought he would never direct again. 
And that's yeah. led him to this absolute despair that we see with Dersu. And it's so, he so sympathizes coming directly from this, from just recovering from this, absolutely slashing his, his, his arteries. And his, this wasn't a weak attempt. I mean, he was bleeding out for real, uh, his yeah. throat and his, uh, uh, his thing. So to come back from that and then go into this story, I think it's all in there. And it's, it's, it's crazy that nobody saw it. I had never heard this reflected in any of the critical, even the positive sentiment, how much this movie, how, how, how um, respectful he is to the source material, but also how much of him he gets in there. How terrifying well, it is to him that I missed my shot at the deer. I missed my right. shot at the glove. Like, what am I going to do? Like, is it is it gone? Is everything right. I've defined myself with just gone all of a sudden? And just to take people through the history of him a little bit to contextualize it if they don't know, is um, Kurosawa makes his first movie in 1943 uh, with Sanchero Sagata. And uh, he basically makes a movie every year, almost one a year through 1965 with Redbeard. And Redbeard is like him hitting a wall in a lot of ways. It's his final collaboration with Mifune, where they started not getting along. Uh, it's the one where uh, he sort of, uh, the studio decided like, he is asking too much to like build this actual town, have them live in it, live where his exacting precision sort of became like, he's gone too far finally. But after 65, he begins to make, after having made a movie every year, basically since 43, he starts to make movies once every five years. And it's almost like clockwork. So Dodeska Dens in 1970, Dursu's in uh, 1975, uh, Shadow Warriors is, uh, is 80, Ran is 85, and then Dreams is 19. 90. But that wall of like red beard, whatever happens, right? <laughs> he's completely changed. And then he makes Dodeska Den, which is like a critical and commercial failure. And I would say an artistic failure. I think when I look at it, it's not, it's one of his few movies where I'm like, this just doesn't work. And what he wants it to be isn't happening. It's not right? just a failure as a film. I mean, that film was going to be like the launch pad for the company he uh, puts together with Kinoshita and Kobayashi and Ichikawa. And that's going to be like their reemergence into like the Japanese film that the, the film society that's now become, you know, all pink, pinko films and, you know, kind of exploitation, gangster movies, things like that. This is going to be like the masters yeah. are returning and it flops. You know, yes. the fact that the and, film flops. And it's like, we're going to build this ship to ride on the sea of trash around us and get out of here. And the ship runs aground immediately and gets pulled under the waves. Exactly. And he can't get funded anymore. So in 71, he tries to commit suicide. And then Moss Film comes to him and is like, we want you to make this movie, essentially. And that's sort of what resurrects him a little bit. And I think that's also what's important to remember about this film is not just that it's personal. It is It is the somebody throws him a life preserver and it's not anyone in the Japanese film industry he has to leave Japan and go to Russia it's his only non-Japanese language movie and go there make a film in a total wilderness you know again mirroring the film itself he's in the wilderness he's forced to go out and explore new territory too to explore new artistic territory and just the plot of Dursu because it's very very simple is it's about a um uh, a British soldier in 1902 who's commissioned to go out and isn't it 1902 the first one John you're turning your head yeah, but it's not British it's not British I, oh not Jesus Christ okay. what did I say British <laughs> oh my god let me do that over it's about a Russian soldier in 1902 who's commissioned to go out 
and uh, sort of explore some of the more unexplored regions of very far eastern Russia and the taiga. For people who don't know how Russia is laid out, there's sort of a part that curly cues and hooks around the the eastern side down around China and sort of cradles China on that side all the way out to the coast uh, that sort of hooks down. And the taiga is famously like... uh, wilderness wilderness and so he goes out with this group of soldiers on an exploration edition and he meets this guy in the woods uh this isolated mountain man figure dursu uzala is the character's name who takes him and helps him on this expedition and most notably helps him survive uh, a day trip to lake kanaka that goes horribly awry. And it's about their friendship. It's about when they meet again in the future and it's about exploration. But that's that's really all there is to this movie, what I've just described of it. Two and a half hours, I've just described an hour and 50 of it. You know, and again, basically. the book, the book, it all comes from the book, which is so exactly what I love about books or also Kurosawa's films. They give you the contents of the backpack in great detail. Yeah. And it's it's it, it's it's cut out all the melodrama. There's no story of the wife saying, oh, don't go or the son yeah. crying or it's just uh, how what do you take a string? And what's this for? And how do you find, ging, uh, you know, ginseng on the road? And this is all this stuff is what I love. What we find in Seven Samurai when they prepare for the bandits, we see the punji sticks we get the layout of yeah. the village we get all this stuff that's always missing from the movies that i it drives me crazy i don't want to know what they think show me with them doing this yeah and, uh and 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 this is obviously a great um sort of thing what's really interesting to know also which is um almost a miracle when the soviet embassy calls him and says him you got carte blanche we're going to finance everything artistically come over and teach us how to make films of course for them that's a political on one side a political instinct that it's going to be a huge win but on the other side and more importantly the russians really regard him as a great master where the japanese have a very different view of kurosawa and and also the the americans at this point so the russians really embrace him as a master and you see that reflected in the crew and the way this shoot goes, the way everybody behaves to Nakai, his uh, cinematographer, and him. They both are regarded as great old masters and venerated. And this is sort of gives the whole mood of this shoot. But what's even more interesting that in 1951, he was obviously when they say, we want you to film a Russian story in Russia, he goes and he since she, he, he shot the, the idiot Dostoevsky in 1951, he also already wrote a script for for Desu Usala in 1951. And that is something before the Soviet film in 61, he has already got the script ready, which he wanted to transport to Hokkaido and sort of the, the native people of Japan and then kind of say, ah, it won't work. And it kind of got abandoned. But so when they call him, he's already you know, an hour later, get them like, I got something. And which is, uh, which is fa- fantastic. And they do alter it a bit, or he just goes back to refresh it now with the clear perspective of being able to really shoot in, in Usuri, in that region, uh, that is something that he knows this, I think, and it, it's visible throughout the film, this, this, he knows the source material inside out, and he's already made the important decisions of what to embrace, what to leave out, what to combine, and what to collapse. There's many village stories here with Korean and Chinese sort of bandits and 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 village elders that that hold the local population of uh, the, the 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 sort of the native uh, tribes hostage and kind of enslave them and there he collapses all those which is my least favorite part in the book it really takes you out of the wilderness that they keep running into these villages and then the yeah. movie sort of gets rid of all of that and he kind of invents a little run in with some bandits that is enough to be true to the book and what kind of happened. 
But yeah. in the other parts, he's so truthful that he uses exact words of Arseniev. You know, he uses exact dialogue. And um, the only other thing I would say... The that they're running into people every other paragraph. You know? Right. It's full <laughs> of people. Always the a whole time. Here and, there, right? yeah. and here you get these expanses of just, uh, you really feel alone. And so we we're going to get into that in each event. But I, just one more note on the book. I really feel the only other thing that the book maybe has an advantage over is that Arseniev records Dersu's dialogue so beautiful. So when you read him, he doesn't have many of those sayings in the films, but he's, he's saying a lot more in the book. And he's yeah. speaking and he records that his animism comes through when he calls the fire man or the sun man. In the book, it's so, he is so lovable. And uh, in the 61 film version, it's interesting because they, the, they do, it's, it's more of a fantasy movie there's sort of a magical figure and 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 they are much more of a police squad writing wrongs with the evil chinese and it's weird that the the, the ice storm you mentioned is not in there they replace it with a firestorm so they take very weird liberties that don't really need to be in there and it's much more on the nose and sort of a propaganda film, I would call it. But what's fantastic is are the two leads. So Arsenyev and Dersu are great. And actually Dersu looks a lot more that, like the photos we know. He's a lot more sinewy and skinny. He's not this old, cute um, bear man that we get yeah. in the Kurosawa version. But I also feel that's why Kurosawa's version works because it almost highlights the stuff he's not being able to put into the movie with all the dialogues because they are so cute in the book like his yeah. just his absolute belief the way he shouts at the tiger and all these things there's much more of that in the book but the 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 actor transports that directly we love him in the film and that's it's a great credit to him because he's also a highly trained uh, theater troupe uh, actor and and we think oh they just picked him out of the forest he really comes across like a, an absolute natural and Gulsava uh, said he picked him mostly because he found his philosophy and attitude really mirrored that of Dersu he was a mountain man himself loved to go out in the forest yes hunt. he had been an uh, an orphan who right. was sort of uh not doing much with his life then had become a revolutionary and through the revolutionary had gotten placed in an art school through his association with the with the revolution and maxim Munsik is his name he's he's um named after maxim gorky uh both of those names they don't really know uh the last name where it came from where Munzik came from in it seems to be a bastardization of a fairly common name in fact early reviews of the film call him uh Munzik, uh because it's such a common name they get his name wrong in in russian reviews and then maxim his first name was from maxim gorky where in the right. theater troupe they had just sort of started and calling he played him lenin he played yeah. lenin he played but all neither of those were his real right. names he was sort of a a, a person without a history in a lot of ways he was right. he had been like an orphan and a street kid and somebody who had lived in the wilderness but he was very trained in theater trained in music of course it was rumored at the press conference that they had with moss film where they were kind of announcing the shooting and this great coup that they managed to get him of course right away the rumor started that mifune would return in the role but mifune yeah. was so in trouble with his own production company and he was doing all this tv work he was completely busy and he was really dreading to be in another red beard scenario now in siberia even yeah. worse so he, it never happened and there's a very sad 
uh, kind of not sad, but they are so when you know they, they will never work again. There are a few shots of Mifune visiting the set in, in Russia. And yeah. it's just so mournful and, and and to have these great men once again together laughing, but you know it would never happen again. I know. And it's, it's so and funny I, to read the the kind of conflicting you know accounts of like whether Mifune was seriously considered, whether Kurosawa wanted him to play Dursu or not. And the obvious thing is that just what you said, the Russian press clearly just dropped his name as a way to, you know, get everyone excited for the film and get on board with the movie and maybe try to inspire Kurosawa to get him over there. But he would have been completely wrong for this role, obviously. Right, he could have done it in an, way too in big a, in a, in a, an amazing way, Personally. I'm sure, but it would have been it would have it would have harmed the whole film and it wouldn't have been the definitive version like it is with the book because the the 61 version is exactly a great it's a fun film totally fun but you cannot read the book if you read the book you, you'll be pained but uh it's a super cool adventure movie it's gorgeously shot great tiger scenes amazing beautiful poster but when you read the book you're like why these decisions you look there's so much and kurosawa makes these decisions these dramatic he does enhance a few scenes like the river rafting scene and stuff but other than that he doesn't he resists the big drama the big music the big stings the big things that are all there and work in every movie but he uh, this, this, he, he's sort of a, um, a very, um, restraint and it, it heightens everything. It's like it often is with art. You hit the counter note and it brings everything out even bigger. And the Isaac Schwartz music is beautiful too. Yes. It's like really gorgeous. Uh, you know, Kurosawa correctly decided not to use a Japanese composer. There are only six Japanese filmmen on this crew. Everything right. else was completely Russian. And I think that was a great instinct on his part that it needed to feel more like a Russian film than a Japanese film. Yeah, Masaru Sato was considered, but he. I find it also strange this time around watching it that I find notes, the melancholy in the Schwartz uh, um, score is reflected in Kagemusha and Ran. You really hear those lingering yeah. big tones that Kusama must have brought over. He's like, that really worked. Those oceans of the forest and like, that is beautiful. And we find those wailing sounds really uh, in this later movie. So I, I'm, I'm sure he was surprised. And I even find he strikes some Japanese, um, uh, because it's such a conglomerate of Korean, Chinese, and as a Japanese, that, that region is so fascinating in itself that it has all these native, and, and, and he really brings that out. But also very, not it's not a bombastic score and often missing and especially at the end where you really uh, have the tearjerkers it's much more sad without the score and they, I agree. And they don't use it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and one thing just before we move on from the book we should mention that uh, mention that Arseniev was was this book was a big deal this was like a hit book Arseniev at the Vladivostok airport he lived in Vladivostok his whole life the airport's named after him there was a town that they renamed after him that's just called Arseniev now and there's a big monument to Azala in this town right he a was a giant big, concrete uh, yeah. Soviet face or something <laughs> yeah, yeah it's very it's I mean, any, I was going to say, Very yeah, I was going to say, I wouldn't want that monument after me, but I guess any monument is fine. Oh, um, I'll design it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but this book was a big deal. This is like a prestige project. This is like, if, if, you know, maybe not the equivalent to being like, he's going to come and do war and peace, but definitely like right. if you brought him to America and we're like, you're going to do call of the wild or something, it's just like a big Right. towering book that really matters to the culture in some way and is a popular right. favorite and a popular uh a book and and, and i find 
that in itself is interesting because we are, of course, poisoned by all these years of propaganda against the wild Russian and the, all the 80s was full of that. It's continuing to this day, obviously difficult positions to be in. But that to pick this book and to have that ready almost as a script is a miracle because you would ask yeah. Jap Japan certainly has a problematic history with Russia. And to have then to have a genuine when you get offered this not to go like, oh, should I do another Dostoevsky, but to actually have something that's a secret fan favorite it's so rare it's like pulling yeah. out the, the, the the deep cuts of really showing the people hey i know i understand you i love you too this is why i chose to do yeah. have that ready almost it's it's crazy and Those yeah and to say so his culturalism is deep you know appreciation right. for everything that he could make you know american crime novels adopt american crime novels dostoevsky you know and then like you said have this thing just in his pocket be like oh yeah i'm a huge fan of that one <laughs> Yeah, just to, um, to flesh out the crew one more bit, like you said, uh, Chris, 100 strong crew go out and um, only six Japanese among them, um, uh, um, Ayakatsu Nakai, who's been with him, he's the cinematographer and who really, of course, shines. He's been with him in Redbeard and Seven Samurai. So he knows he brings these guys with him that have been to war with him in, in this yeah. kind of way. And what I find really fascinating is he gets two assistants to help him with the giant sovoscope, you know, 70 millimeter cameras and whatever. I, I cannot remember where I've seen this footage. There is footage of the assistants just in awe of him, but, but really yeah. in awe of this 73 year old master that is now coming to them and teaching them. And I think this is exactly the mood that we see throughout the production of these old Kurosawa's is mid sixties. They go out in the minus 40 degrees of frostbite. They both get frostbite right away. I mean, they are really, like you're saying, they're on the outs. They're, they're using their last bit of craft to recover at home. The industry is dead. It's, it's over. The studios are done. The, the big four club of four nights with probably the best filmmakers anybody has ever put together. And that's fails. And now to be out really on your last, like out filming with in minus 40 and and you're doing this. I mean, the uh, Kurosawa never talks about his inner life, but just it must have been daunting now to have a complete strange crew and 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 kind of get out of your ways. And it invigorates Kurosawa in many, many, many ways that we see afterwards. That this is a even though it's we, we'll get into more of the critic attacks afterwards, but that this is a he finds a freedom once again to shoot in this way that transport him back to his youth and that's rare for for old artists that yeah well i do feel like this movie is him going through the process of him realizing some way you can be afraid of the tiger the rest of your life or you can stay out there and not be afraid of the tiger you know and i think that that's really a simple uh thing i'm phrasing it very simplistically but i do think he it's him realizing i don't want to go out like dursu you know not even getting arrested for trying to put a tent up in the backyard you know yes. like if i'm going to die i'm going to die out here in negative four degrees in the woods marshalling this massive crew around and i will die with my boots on you know right. and and i will let i will let ambas get me you know, like if that's right. if that's what it comes to. And I'm not going to shoot the ambus out of fear either. You know, right. like I'll look it down and keep yelling at it to go away. And you know? yeah, that's... With his aunties on. Yeah. His made of elk skin. 
Yeah, and this sort of simplicity that often gets thrown at that you remark, it's really in the book that even in the uh, 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 critical response to the book, they're all saying like, oh, it's not a great literal, uh, literary piece, but obviously it has in its simplicity, there's so much beauty. And to hold strong to that in the movie, in the book, and to get this, this nonverbal emotion that we see constantly is such a hard feat to keep this going for two and a half hours and not fall into the traps and not to add too much movie, which Kurosawa is the yeah. king of, too yeah. much magic dust on this. And um, this was never understood when the film was screened and we uh, troubled uh, afterlife that is had. But it's, um, I think um, when you come at it fresh, like, you know, you see it again, like you said, John, like you, 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 you kind of put it aside and then you view this again, it has a shocking impact. I, I should say too, this is a film I feel like, even though I've seen it half a dozen times right. now, I've never seen it. I've never right. seen it projected on 70 millimeter on a screen. I've With not really seen this. Track stereo, right. But I totally agree. Whenever I read someone say, why would you shoot 70 millimeter for this intimate story of friendship? And it's like, because it's the whole fucking point. God damn it. Like, I don't understand why you don't understand that, you know, you see this, you know, majesty this, this giant world, this untamed, untrodden world, you know, presented on film. And in the end, it's about these two people. That's fucking beautiful. I mean, that's the whole point of the movie. And if you don't get that, then maybe that's why you don't like the movie. Right. Yeah, and it's a late great sort of like a Zen master, like the like Picasso at the end. Like you, you get reduced, you get that in many masters, the old masters, a re reduced palette and a reduced painting way, and sort oh of it's God. almost a Japanese cliche of, of reducing everything to the end towards the end of your life. But he packs it all in, but still remain. There's such a a sincerity and a sereneness with the humor, and it, it can only be come from a master writer script writer he made most of his money writing scripts adapting scripts then being a master director going through a japanese training ground and then editing all his own movies so that's, you, that's you shot shoot i think of more often than not is right at the beginning of the second expedition where they meet again where they run to each other and hug each other and then it's a shot of them sitting together and then all the rest of the expedition are like all in a big bunch like you know on the hill this and that's a fascinating shot. gorgeous shot it's such a fascinating shot because in the book so in the second trip, they re-meet again and the book, uh, the dog runs out and attacks whoever comes at night in there, in the bush. And 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 then he recognizes Dersu and feels bad. So the dog is out of the movie, of course, because it's difficult to shoot with too many things. So, but he, Kusava, in his amazing dramatic sense of presence of stage and angle, puts a giant log between them and they sort of have to wrestle around <laughs> yeah. trying to get at each other to hug. And it's such a heartbreaking, and they're beautiful they're like laughing scene. at like the like They fall over. In yeah. And in, in, in the book, the dog attacks because he thinks they're fighting and they just oh. have such an embrace that they're like, oh my God, you're here. You're the half of me. Because the other part of this too, before the intermission, they're parting is the dagger to the heart of all time because we see Dersu walk into the hills and he just rose, Capitan! And yeah. then he rose out, Dersu! And this moment, I mean, I get a dagger, I get the biggest lump in my throat. And it's just a very simple, there's no music, there's no, no height. It's just this moment is magic that this has so much, the soldiers are quiet. And this is another way that Kurosawa gets this. It's almost, um, 
aware of the legend of those two men, aware of the story, he puts the soldiers and Dersu and Arseniev in a separate plane in the field. So when they serenade, it's almost they're serenading the legend. They're singing a love song to these two men because the soldiers are aware that they reconvened, they, they met again. So they sing this beautiful Russian uh, uh, hymn, kind of, but it's about the eagles. And <laughs> yeah, it's the a love song. eagle. Yeah. It's, a, it's a love song for a couple, actually. And, and they just stare at each other in love over the fire. You can see it in their eyes. There's not a word spoken. They're just kind yeah. of in love because Arseniev, when they part, in the book, it's very clear he wrote like he he feels this tremendous grief and loss when he parts from there. So it's not a trapper he met. That's the rest of the world behind that log. And then it's them together. Yes. That, and those that, shots that first are well like, on is, the is, cinema is, scope. Right. Oh, like my God. That, that first farewell is just strung out so long. I mean, it just right. goes on for you. Just like, curse out. What are you doing here? Why are you stringing this out so long? And then I realized like it's om- it goes almost to the hour mark. It's like I said, with high and low or. You know, the kidnapping ends almost exactly the hour mark. It's perfect. Like he just knows like when this is the part where this happens. Boom. Second act. And another genius stroke where he condenses and collapses a lot of the teachings. Because in the book, the first part is sort of Arsenev getting used to Dersu and finding his, how does this guy maneuver? Why do I love his philosophy? Why is he magical? Why is he talking all these great things? And to show that in a movie is very difficult. Kurosawa takes great time in the scene with the hut where he leaves something behind for the next person who's coming in, in, in contact with the hut. So he's thinking about them. But still, again, in the book, there's much more of it. And Kurosawa does a, another kind of... Uh, a freedom, a leap from the book that uh, he puts the soldiers very much in opposition, which is not in the book, that they are like, again, who's this wild? And they kind of yeah. laugh at their so making in fun of him. And so, and when they finally, after that journey, the arc that Kurosawa gives the movie arc, which is so necessary, which is not necessary in the book, is that the soldiers um, they're not more, they're not closer to Deso, but they now respect them. And when they sing to leave this departure, after they call a Capitan and Deso, they stop singing. That's it. The absence of them singing is so big. And it's Kurosawa knows how to employ that. It's like he uses weather. It's like he uses these things. It's, the, it's felt so big that they stop singing. It's, it's correct. It's uh, masterful. It's incredible. I love how that scene begins too, of the departure with them getting to the train tracks and Dersu and you realize he's never seen train tracks before and they've just been described to him and that's such a great quick detail of how much in the wilderness he is that he touches the train tracks and they're cold and his hand sort of freezes to him and he goes like oh you know and sort of like like the American it's a mirror to the American story the Russian story the Dostoyevsky it's the train track this idea of progress going through the wilderness the steel that's barged to is very much mirroring the American experience and it's in many plays it's this the end point is and it's also for Desu his run-in where his world ends it's yeah that's clear. exactly it is that it's like this sort of uh cute like oh he's seeing train tracks and then you quickly have the realization oh they're at the train they said they were going to this is over there's no more scenes with them they're there and you're like yeah. oh shit they reach the place they're going to. So it's great. It's just such great subtle writing in the filmmaking in that way to set it up as like this cute, uh, like cute scene, clever, fun scene where where Dirsu is being charming. And then you have this snap like, oh shit, Mm -hmm. that's it. It's over for them. And it is, and it does 
that makes the whiplash of it feel even stronger. You know, again, like the silence that you're saying he builds into it, it just makes the emotion felt even stronger because it's not, you come into that scene with heavy music and they're looking mournful and baleful and you realize they're here and it tracks slowly along the tracks and up to their yeah. sad faces. No, it's another scene of them in the wilderness of him identifying shoe prints based on, you know, it's an old man because it walks on the heel or the swinging of the bottle to try and shoot it down. But like a bottle's valuable. So he's going to shoot the one. It's one of those like charming scenes. Right. And it really pulls the rug by by setting it up as just another charming scene. It never has that sad close up with the with the right. heavy music. It it dodges it. And, and I appreciate the it so much, is so right. much stronger. It knocks you out so much more. I appreciate so much that the filmmakers or if I, if it wouldn't have been this amazing fortunate opportunity where where Moss Film says you have 100% artistic creativity any other production company would have forced Kurosawa and he would, he would have had to take it because he takes commercial products later to then show the family show the wife of how she said that they're leaving or maybe I'm like and it doesn't it just jump cuts after the after the big intermission to another sea we open with the sea of red very Japanese to this beautiful ocean of trees and we jump cut into the sea of green And we know yeah. immediately this is another trip. We're just back to the other trip, trip two. And but yeah. there's a different, now it's summer and we see, we feel the heat and it mirrors kind of the shot he has in Hidden Fortress with the princess standing there in the flag. Yeah. And you see Arsenio's profile and he's alone now in this vast ocean. And we get this beautiful depth of field that we get in Kurosawa where he shouts down to his now different troop days are with more the Cossacks that are visiting on the second expedition in the book it's four years later I don't know what they say here in the movie it's uh, 1907 so it goes from 02 to 07 yeah so, so they keep they, they keep that yeah. it's a big distance and the way they part is like I will hope we see each other again but it's it's amazing in the age of cell phones or how we even grew <laughs> up in the 80s we're just in the woods okay bye see you mom and now you would just be in Siberia and hope that you run into each other again you know it's like it's <laughs> Yeah, it's really, I mean, it's striking how lonesome it is without Dursu there. I mean, you feel right. that. You feel like, you know, even though he's got, you know, he's back in this beautiful country and he has this whole other, you know, crew with him. It's just not the same without this guy there. It's funny, too, to think about how people say, oh, you know, this is the point where Kurosawa stopped being interested in human beings. Like, this is where he just yeah. wanted to be a big crybaby about, oh, you know, the modern world. And, oh, we can't go back to, you know, the way things were. And it's like, what are you talking about the whole point is that there's someone that's missing here a person a human being right it's that human human connection that's missing here that the guy cannot be whole you know, and he you know, no it's so it's like in terms of like intimacy and humanity it's this movie and akiru are his two most human movies by far you know i and it's again i agree with you it's crazy that anybody thinks this movie isn't like Ikuru level emotional, you know? I know he doesn't lay it on as thick. Ikuru's great movie, it's beautiful, but it is like singing a song on a swing in the snowfall with very slow tracking shots. That's not what this is, you know? Yeah, it's you can not... sprinkle the magic. Yeah. This is here, he's, 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 so, he's so truthful because he recognizes the value of the source material. He's not looking at this like, oh, this is a great unused fodder. I can build this up. I can build this bigger. I'm returning as the great master samurai filmmaker that everybody wants me to be, especially after it must have been because Mifune does the opposite. Mifune, after the failure of all 
of this. He goes back and do the Redbeard. He goes like, okay, I'm just doing frigging samurai movies. I don't care. I'm doing Jidai Geki all the way through. I'm doing TV. I'm doing commercials. He's trying, he has a different motivation, but Kusawa would have been so easy. Like, okay, I'm back. I'm bringing Masaru Sato. I'm opening with the big hidden fortress scenes, a close up, the magic, the Italo by now. That language that he helped to form, he's leaving it all out, but it's there and he's hitting all the subtle notes. Like he's hitting, it's very much like Ryan's Daughter, another film that I love by a great filmmaker uh, that was completely panned because he tried to do something else. He didn't do Lawrence of Arabia again. He, he did yeah. something weird and that didn't fit, but he was very, those opening, it's, it's very much a filming the coast of Ireland in that abandoned place and the way he places the figure. Now, be a, we all know a production like this could be such hell if, if nobody's working together like you're really out there and in those shots make you feel that and the, and the kind of dread and beauty is present in each shot the the dread of that forest when you see the distance to his crew yeah the, but the beauty well dursu all... both times dursu right. was introduced you know the first time dursu's introduced they talk about this is but tomorrow let's find a more cheerful spot and right. he's having the nightmare about walpurgis night and the witches convening when we meet dursu the second thing happens when he sees dursu he goes from the very green into an immediately muddy spot with knocked over and singed trees right that have had some kind of uh forest fire burn in that area and he goes into it and i think that that's really uh an amazingly clever decision as well Very for Curso both times to not have dursu be associated with like uh like in seven samurai when when he's sitting in the the bed of flowers you know you could right. easily introduce Dursu that way. He loved to, Kurosawa loved to frame characters surrounded by flowers, peering through hedges surrounded by right. flowers. He does not do that. He he plays up the, the darkness of the environment in which Dursu comes in, which yeah, is a great I, little I, I irony. Just, I just got to break in because you brought up Walpurgis Night, which I thought was great because one of the filmmakers, obviously we're talking about, you know, filmmakers obsessed with nature and like humans inside nature is Herzog. And I thought yeah, about yeah. how Walpurgis Night is uh, the night Famously, where Jonathan Harker travels to, to Dracula and meets Dracula. Yeah. And Herzog would do Nosferatu, you know, just a few years later and have that. And a, very... and a great point. There's a lot of the stillness in Fitzgeraldo, this kind of weird. Yeah. Let's let there's very assimilate DNA that's cooking here, where it's like mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. obviously bombastic and Kinski, don't want the opera house, but with in, on the shots of nature when he just hear the birds crying, this big you know, t t ship going down the Amazon and, and the umbrella. There, uh, there's always this danger lurking, but it's, 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 you, it, it, it's, it's a great point you bring up. And I, as something that I felt uh, very uh, similar DNA this time. Around. Yeah. I have in my notes too, that the nature photography in this film resembles Herzog. I thought right. of Agare some, but really Dark Low the Mountains and Lessons of Darkness mm -hmm. were two movies that I thought about where um, he's sort of pushing the, the foreboding quality of it at right. all times that the nature never, as beautiful as it gets, it never loses its natural quality, right? Like in Herzog, it never gets overlit and overframed and it's not magic hour stuff of the design to look postcard beautiful. It's supposed to look like nature, the way nature looks in reality. And it's beautiful, but it's also foreboding and it's messy and it's yes. dirty and people get covered in muck. Yeah. It's sort of an anti-Terrence Malick approach to nature in right. a lot of ways. Feeling that like danger without actually seeing it, like in the scene where they, he says the tiger is tracking them or like is following behind them and they keep coming to the tracks where they just were. 
the tiger, you know, follow them directly. Makes me think a lot of Aguirre and like the, the way you don't see. That's my favorite that are- scene. Yeah. That's my favorite scene of part two when we, we have to get to the ice storm, which is in part yeah. one, which we yeah. sort of passed yeah. on. But the highlight of part two, the whole tiger section is an interesting examination because it's the tiger in the book, the tiger in the 61 version and the tiger in the Kurosawa version. And Kurosawa makes a big change from both of the other ones. In in, in Kurosawa's version, the tiger really is a metaphor for Dersu and it's he's linked to the tiger. Whereas in the book, yeah. it's much more matter of fact. There's a belief in how to handle tigers and talk to tigers and there's also bad luck when you shoot them. But he's also, so, there's a bad tiger. I can shoot that tiger because he stole my dog. He ate the dog <laughs> so I can shoot. There's not, it's not so fatal, but to Kurosawa, again, brings out something that is um, a very good and legitimate way to change that and to link the fates, to give Dersu more of an arc, to heighten the drama of him losing the eyesight, of not being able to hunt, to link that fate to the omen of shooting the tiger. Because it is in the book. It's just a condensed version of all those beliefs that haunt the forest. So yeah. the, the tiger in the six... mentioned in the book is that the tigers are gods there to protect right. the ginseng, right? Right. And, and there are shrines that they run into. And the tiger's a lot more in the book. It pops out many times. And like you say, my favorite scene is the stalking scene where Dersu loses the pipe. The troop is a little bit yeah. behind. So Dersu walks back on the tracks to look for the pipe, which is exactly like this in the book. I was I, I remember this from the book. It's my favorite that Dersu all of a sudden he discovers the tiger and it's exactly like we see later who who helps Akurosawa. It's of course George Lucas with the twin sons and we get Apocalypse Now when they get <laughs> off the boat. The tiger yeah. scene. The tiger, it's right. shot very similarly when they get off to the tiger because it's uh, it's so ominous and it, the way it's so it's hidden fortress it's it's throne of blood level density of the forest with the it's 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 like uh it's like yoda on on empire strikes back right it's so dense the forest and you see the smoke rising and then just desu in the foreground and we know the tiger stalking them he mentions it and Arseniev hears a crack and he shoots around, he whirls around with the gun. He says, and then uh, don't make noise. it's like, Amba would never make noise. You know, yeah. Amba's done. And it's, oh, you get the neck, the hair standing on the back <laughs> yeah. of your neck. And he's like, Tiger still tracks us. The troop catches up. They're sort of aware that something is wrong. It's like, they, they, they go back where they've came from, where they've been to already. And they see, the tiger's been there. So he's going around. It's so, ah, it's amazing. This is my, one of my, favorite favorite tensions of where Kurosawa really imbues a scene that's in the book that I love in the book but it's better in the movie it's it's yeah. amazing that's a true artist can add something to the source material and it's yeah it's great and there's who shouts to him he's like why are you we're, we're sorry we don't know you live here you know we will leave we leave Ambao, you don't do this yeah. so there's a but great dialogue a, and then he marches forward sorry he marches forward in this great belief that he told the tiger and he didn't hear back from him <laughs> so now there's nothing to fear let's march on and there's no gun and he just marches uh, right puts through the everybody thicket. else at ease that's kind of the amazing thing is yeah. that like suddenly everyone like the tension is gone right it, i yeah, love that I'm moment where he says dersu is this your pipe you know it's like there's a tiger oh my god he's like it's like tenses up so and then good. that's immediately, yeah, he just relieves that immediately. Like, oh, Dursu said it's okay, so we're going to be all right. That's this right. incredible, like, you know, uh, influence that he has over these people. That again, you know, you don't see the uh, more much of the antagonism in the book from the soldiers that you know in the movie, but you get the feeling that they all 
come to trust yeah, them. Yeah, by that, don't by that part, them. exactly, you're right. By that part, we see through the tro- soldiers now this great trust. In the book, it's described, like you said, the Valpurgis Knight, which is here very ominous with the, the trade. That's all in the book. It's described like almost a, uh, like how threatening and how Arsenius mistakes the, the branches for witches. And it's very much, it's not an added spooky element by Kurosawa. And as soon as Dersu appears and plops down by the fire and lights the lights the pipe it's all good and from then there's no fear and and it must have been da- so daunting to now have this it would be without him you know and now when he's back like the troop is back together it's this really great moment and there's never a doubt like oh you're gonna get paid there's and that's also not in the book there's just a clear we walk together you're my comrade we we walk together that's it like you know yeah and these other um, soldiers haven't been through the storm which we'll yes, go back to now i mean that scene is back back oh. when i thought this is not one of the big kurosawas and i was like compiling a list of 100 great moments from Kurosawa movies. That's the only one I picked because that scene stands out, you know, no matter how you feel about the movie, you've got to concede that scene's incredible. Yes. I mean, uh, when you first run into the scene, if you have any doubts of this movie, uh, even if you're not a wilderness freak or uh, for the source material like me, and if you just go there because you want to complete uh, uh, Kurosawa, you get to that scene, you know, like, okay, I didn't see this coming. It's like we often see this in the great films that surprise us with something. This is something I, de- I don't see coming. And it's also not like it's uh, there's more details in the book. But because we get music in the cinematographer, it's also heightened. So it, it is a great trade-off. What's missing in the book is when they, the ominous, the way they shoot this, we go right back to Rashomon, where Miyagawa points at the sun and we see the flickering the yeah, danger of the that filming of the sun. sun the yeah. danger of that, the ominous measure of where Dersu, they look around, they're lost on the big lake and they don't find their way back and streams start opening up and they are not there. You realize alongside of them that now you're truly lost. And this is something we've never seen with Dersu. And Dersu says, for one of the first time, me very afraid. I'm very afraid. And then puts you right away. You're like, oh my God, if he's yeah. afraid, we're, we're, we're messed up. And he, um, they try to track back and it's the dread keeps building. The dread keeps building. The music keeps rising and it's a bright sunlight still you feel there's a way out but when he's like okay captain we must work very fast now and we die we die here that moment to then and in the book it's great because uh he Asenif is in complete fatigue he loses the knife to cut down all the reeds to build this unknown plan and it's great when you first watch it you're like what are they doing i guess they're building shelter but it seems hopeless with these tiny reeds and they're flying yeah. away and it's so are they gonna get enough and he's like you must work you must work and every time he breaks down he gets mad of in the book that's not in the movie because he cuts down some of the supporting reeds that he will then later tie the structure to right in the yeah. movie they have the tripod but in the book they he uh, Arsenev starts cutting everything down and Dersu goes, you stupid, you stupid, don't cut this. And then he ignores him and cuts he him down. And doing Dersu it, cuts, right. Yeah, exactly. He's like, he's like, you you have no plan. You don't know what to do. And so he, for the first time, he gets really mad at Arsenev too. He's not the lovely grandpa anymore, the cutesy uh, leader. He's really like deathly afraid and Dersu switches. And yeah, that whole sequence, it's the best it's example of show really me, don't dark. tell me very early in that region like four o'clock it starts getting dark so the fact that they're racing the sun it's like they have no time whatsoever there's no firewood anywhere there's no shelter the the snow starts coming the ice starts coming and they know it's a hundred it's death 
It's absolute death. And they shoot and they're hoping that their troop will separate from them, which happens a lot in the book that they do these little excursions to, you know, to, yeah. to do the cartography or to, to, to collect some plants and, and to, so they, they, they leave the main troop without all the big supplies. So they leave the, those guys behind. And so they really are, um, he saves his life in that part. And um, yeah, we don't, it's pure cinema and it's, it's, it's marvelous because you, you're in the scene discovering with them what it takes and what it does and how close it is and the music. And, but it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's incredible. I have also never seen this in 70 millimeter, but imagine that like, phew. Oh my God. I hope, I, I hope at some point I get to see it because yes, that scene just would look just outstandingly beautiful. I think. Yeah. And we great. get that famous shot that's mirrored in the star Wars, obviously with the sun, the moon rising and the sun setting. And we see mm, them right, both yeah. in the middle framed and both the blue and the red light and Nakai just the cinematography just absolutely playing the symphony here it's like and that's why it was criticized obviously they're doing the bombast and here and there but um this is nature i, I think what, they, they've never yeah, been I in nature that, i've been I, awestruck at every mountain i've seen I, it's, that's the thing is i don't think they're doing the bombast and that's why i compare it to herzog is i think it has that quality of when i watch herzog's movies i'm like that's what a river looks like that's not mm -hmm. what a beautiful photograph of what a river looks like that's not what a perfectly placed camera designed to make this river look beautiful or foreboding or terrible looks like this is just what a river looks like this is what mm -hmm. an ice flow looks like and this movie very much has this 95 percent of the time you know there are a few flourishes here and there especially towards the end but most of the time it feels like being in nature unlike you i was not a city kid i was somebody who grew up in the country i grew up in southern chester county and what i would do is i would just told to go outside for the day into the woods and that's i love this all... of, i just love I, I just love every time i listen to you guys podcast there's another it's almost a miss marple uh, element <laughs> added to your character oh i was a diver and i was like what what yeah. <laughs> was a diver oh, yeah. and of course i knew how to so yeah and, and yeah. every time there's another facet revealed where we very much have this image of you of a being a very erudite city dweller <laughs> with all the moving we we lived in southern like chester That's county what, yeah. what just to place the context for the kind of farm remoteness that was is Lancaster County, which is where the Amish live, right, was about 40 minutes away. And that was the built up area. You had to go to Lancaster if you wanted to go to the DMV or go to like a shopping mall or something. That's That was like the built up place was where the Amish live. Right. So we would just go out to the woods and the Herzog and, and this movie. Um, and you know what other movie reminds me of this too that I can't believe I haven't mentioned yet is Ballad of Narayama, the, um, mm. the, uh, the Imamura version. Right. not the not the kinoshita the is a bit his studio <laughs> yeah um but just that like there's there's mud everywhere right. you go if you go outside and there's not a clear path and there's sort of things sticking to each other and it's not postcard perfect even as it's beautiful you know you can get that shot in agri of like the fog rolling up the side of the verdant mountain and all that but most of it's just going to be them sort of in uncomfortable looking places where you just right. know they're getting it's... slaughtered with bugs that they're just uh, yeah. getting eaten alive or even to compare like... it to a russian filmmaker you know that you would be tempted to compare this to would be like earth by dafian Co. yeah oh jesus and then you no think, movie like, do even, i like even, less but even earth you know right as these ridiculously staged sequences of like a guy sitting next to a leaf and you're like give me a break with this this isn't right. like this Earth like drives me crazy for that reason. Earth to me is like the number one film of like somebody who has never spent any time outside 
to right. love earth you have to be somebody who's just like thinks that 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 ticks with lyme disease don't exist is necessary for earth that absurd opening scene where the grandpa's lying down and he looks at his family and they're all in the field of the other and he goes well i guess it's time to die now and he smiles and dies and the family yeah. all smiles it's, it's just like it's, it's the it's, opposite of right Indira and dursu azala and Herzog, you know yeah, and Arsenyev, because in the book, it's not in the movie, the fly, as you mentioned, the insect, the, the, the absolute, he tries to drink at some point. He's like, the, the soldiers go, you can't drink. And he's like, why can't I? He's like, look, try. It's just flies in there. He takes the flies out. Yeah. There flies again in there. And there's, they have a double windows. And in between, it's just a black mass. And they, he, uh, Arsenyev, when he goes to one of those uh, it's like uh, towns, he thinks right? it's clay to, to insulate. It's just dead flies, just yeah. completely packing the windows. That and the horses- yeah. yeah, the horses are just, they can't sleep. They can't get rest because of just the insects. Oh my God, that ties into, that's making, I can't remember which Herzog gets in now. It's one of the documentaries and the horse has cut itself on a barbed wire fence mm. and it has bot flies growing inside of the wound, right? It has like active maggots. Mm. What one is that in? It's in one of the documentaries. I think it's um Wings of Hope. I think it's Wings of yeah. Hope that it's in about the woman who survives right, the plane right, crash. Right. But it reminds oh, yeah, me of being that. in um, in Las Acacias. I was down there. My my son's mother is Colombian, and we were out in like the country country of Colombia, and just we had to walk across a field one day from like one side of this field to like where the river was, and I walked with my nephew. It was just me and him, and he got covered in bot flies, including three in his head. And bot flies are those flies that dig into your body and birth caterpillars that are stuck in your skin that have the upward facing spine. So you can't pull them out. Right. And I got one on my leg and that's horrible. And what you do is you, you put Vaseline on it because you can't pull them out because they have like spines. It's like you're pulling against spines. Right. And so you put Vaseline on them. Then you put um, saran wrap over it. Then you tape it down and they die. So they can't grip the spines anymore. And you just pull them out. It's a perfectly clean wound. It's very weird. For some reason, they leave perfectly clean wounds. But just walking across this field from one side to the other, this my poor nephew just got Gosh. obliterated. I think he had like eight of them, you know, oh just walking God. from one side to the sounds other. Sounds like it would kill you. Yeah. It sounds like Giga would have walked through this because when he does the alien, that's so <laughs> exactly. gross because he grows in your body i find that very horrible <laughs> you know said, i was like yeah of course giga that's where you put all of it in this it must have been a bot fly yeah that sounds absolutely nightmare but like that's said, to me I that's nature away. to me right that's nature more, to me even more and when you see they, this movie it's got right some of that. even more you mentioned that before when i find so when we see nagiri when they're just with the raft and sort of it's, everything oh, is yeah. shitty by the big boulders by the river and you sort of there's just not not enough water and everything yeah. hurts every step is just shitty it's not a good foothold but it's also not big and beautiful and bombastic it's just sort of the end of the jungle and trekking back is too much it's not scenic at all it's just a shitty mud little boulder yeah. and now you're setting up court there because it's just we can't go back we got too much heavy shit and yeah that, that's very much in those scenes with there so you run through it you kind of like but with everybody else with the gear you're lagging behind you like oh and that scene which is one of the i think the one of the greatest shots in cinema history is that red sun ice shot oh my God. that we get yeah. straight after and the way they lugging it's very reminds me of the shackleton description that that sledge across that little <laughs> tiny it's not even <laughs> i big, know it's like thing. it's like eight inches high it's eight inches 
inside and they cannot, including theirs, so get over that. This takes four people and you feel every bit of that hurt if you've ever been outside in the cold or having to do anything. But this is just a can't anymore. And then you're faced with this endless, I mean, um, uh, out of space landscape. Yeah, you get over it and the reward is... 50 miles of it. You know what yes. I mean? You get over the yes. top and the reward is just like 50 more fucking more miles more. of it. And it's but, beautiful, but it seems so dangerous. You've never seen ice and blood red. It's just yeah. Dracula. It's just absolute incredible. I've done many times where I tried to capture this as a painting, but it's just impossible. It's just the way they are just falling about and, and the way it fills the frame. It's, 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 uh, yeah, one of the crazy highlights when you when you again it's probably perfectly timed on where you can't believe there's another shot it just comes up and lifts you out of this again like out of the fighting of the pits comes this shot and you're like where are they this is just magnificent and terrifying and um in the middle of it there's this friendship yeah this weird uh a story that you're telling also but you're never leading the audience false there's not a false note in that in the whole Um, movie the this movie is is perfect. It's also interesting to compare it to, I mentioned Malik earlier, obviously New World owes virtually everything to this yeah. film, I would say, that that this is a movie that that New World, how for whatever reason, is indebted to, including to that ending where it's like the the savage and civilization ending of it too, where you have Dursu kind of brought right. to the, uh, it, to the place, the quote so- unquote, the right. quote unquote, there were air quotes around that for the, right. for but the record. Just the shot, the endless <laughs> shot of the beautiful bodies in the water in the beginning already you're in a commercial, whereas yeah. this, this doesn't feel like this. It's not no. the, the beauty of the locals versus the evil Russians and they're coming in the evil Chinese. It got criticized for being very anti-Chinese, but in the book, it's very clear. And I think so even Kurosawa take great pains to condense the Chinese scene in the beginning where is the Chinese man who's been waiting there. It's not like that in the book at all, but well, it seems funny a, since you mentioned in the 61 version was such right. a piece of propaganda. Yeah. It's that, not that, you know, super would, big, but it's yeah. compared to the book in Kurosawa, it's noticeably felt because they're much more of a police force. Like, Oh, you're building evil traffic which is in the book they have the traps which they destroy and rescue the animals because they are who hates it that's not the way you're not doing this for your uh for eat for food right. you're doing Knock this for the Ludovia. right they yeah. do this but uh, other than that they're not sort of freeing the enslaved village or so they, they make yeah. a promise to right. report it back to vladivostok but they're not like coming in there in the 61 version it's very much like the lecture comes like don't do the evil thing and stuff and so and you're like okay bye see you there's much more there's a much more like sort of on the nose there's the evil guy with the fur trapper and so it's fun yeah, but it's not these unseen evil evil people who abuse nature you know they right. not only you know do this they leave these uh pits for the animals to fall in even though they're just going to leave them there and die they kidnap these uh people and then they tie them in the swamp so that the freaking horse flies and the mosquitoes yeah, will get at their face it's horrific you know kind of idea that you would die that way which and is they, another story that they take weapon. Right. It's not in the book, but in the book, you do find that there are they're raping women. This is a lawless section. So you do have the worst of the worst. It's not evil Chinese or evil Koreans. or It's also evil Russians. It's just an outlaw section where the strongest man survives. And so they come across all these counterpoints where villagers are left over from from other parts that they they try to make it there and now are struggling to get back and so it's a lot of very alaska very of these lawless kind of uh towns that they run into constantly but they never make the big move of like we'll rescue you or something you know they stay yeah. out yeah. of trouble I love, I love that in that way you know, kurosawa like makes them a part of this world right. part of like nature and that 
they, like the tiger, you don't see them. You don't see the man who murders Dursu right. ultimately. And it's, so it's, you know, it doesn't become like a like disgusting thing that exists. It becomes just another thing that's, that that's there. You know, it just right. becomes part of the world and part of like this natural world that inevitably is going to, you know, come to its end one way or another. The death is going to come to Ur, uh, Dursu one way or another, whether it's, you know, freezing to death on the tundra or, you know, being murdered by, you know, a bandit. Yeah, that's it's, it's not going to be each a... other in a really interesting way that, again, kind of refutes the whole idea of Kurosawa trying to say, oh, you know, modern humanity is bad and they want to knock down trees. And it's like, you know, I think he's trying to say this is just we're all part of nature here. You know, and it's... yeah, at the very end of the book, Arsenyev in the book writes when the town replaces the site of the grave, he writes that one of the last sentences is something like uh, uh, there's another life starting. It's not super sentimental. It's not super like, and there's signs of another life. That means there's so, it's not these people are evil for their civilization and now they're quarrying and poor, holy there's who's dead. It's it's very much, um, I see signs of another life. Yeah, uh, he says, yeah, my cedar landmarks had vanished, new roads had been made. There were query faces, dumps, and basements all around bore the signs of another life. Yeah. yeah. And so it's not a big judgment. Like it's another life. It's just, you realize your own place in it. Like we're just passing through here. And Arsenev wrote over 60 books. And so Dersu is just the most famous one, but he also took, uh, uh, it's amazing that he, he, he discovered lots of the flora and fauna. And it's important. I always love those, the trapping, that the, the part that they destroy the traps and they take great pains, all what you already think is a survival journey, but now they take a day to destroy those traps. It's a very important sort of early idea of we're here, we have to fix this, or there's some replenishing the sources, one yeah. of the great parts in the book that this is evil, like to not give them salt or something back. And Arsenev has a great lesson in there. And we all do. We're like, yeah, that told me, that's a man's life. You probably never get thanks for it, but that's not why you do it. That's yeah. just the law out there. That's what you do. Mm -hmm. You replenish, you make sure it could happen to you and you will be thankful for your hut that's prepared by someone. These sort of super- This is what goodness is. You know? Right. Without ever doing the schmaltz, you know, yeah. the lesson, the lecture, the, the finger. The, another part after the tiger comes or where 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 the sort of his fate is sealed we see they're so irritable and he kind of teaches the soldiers some lesson again that's a trick that's not in the book that they use to like look this is the ginseng don't remove this this is what we do so another person doesn't go over this section he knows there is no ginseng or there's where ginseng grows this is great there's a great big section in the book but in the movie kosava is aware of that i want to put it in there but we're kind of like it doesn't really fit anywhere so he uses this irritability of Dersu with the tiger fate to kind of teach a lesson just alongside. And when you're a fan of the book, you appreciate that so much. If you just watch a movie, it's great. It doesn't disturb you. But you're like, oh, he also got that in. You're like, hurrah, Kurosawa. He also got that <laughs> in. Like, it's so good because he's like, you're a bad man. Don't, there's who goes back at him. Where in the book, he's distressed and distraught by his loss of the eyesight. Not so much that he shoots the Amba. Which does what, what is right. a very different uh, Amba. He comes into the camp very closely, which is also in the movie. But in a way where it's weird, it's open to us. Is this his dream? Is this his fate haunting? We see yeah. great shadow jumping. Well, in the book, it's an actual thing. The tiger's in the camp and he eats, yeah. takes the dog away. Um, um, well, and it's, it's, Dursu has this kind of anim, animistic sort of right. relationship to nature. We call everything man. And there's that great section of the book. <clears throat> the first time he says it, that Arsenal hears it, is when uh, they see the giant... Uh, 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 group of boar wild boar coming down the mountain oh. and he calls it the he refers to the whole 
uh, group of more as the man, you know, as one functioning man, like one. Yeah, him, great man. And and Arsenio at the beginning thinks, oh, who is there? People coming because they also go into this. The people, the the thing to be feared are always the humans in in nature. They're really the fearsome, the most dangerous game, whatever. But it's there that these are the truly unpredictable people. We know how the animals are going to behave, but the truly unpredictable. So you're more fearful of running into humans than to to have the boars. But you're right, the boars, and there's even a bear hunt in the book and a boar hunt, which seem a lot more dangerous in the book than the tiger. The tiger yeah. sort of a majestic game, but the boar are terrifying, you know, yeah. uh, giant and ferocious. Well, that's, and they... that's the, in real life, feral right. pigs are really fucking terrifying, you know, right. they're, and they're an actual, an actual kind of threat. You don't go out in nature and think, ah, I hope a bobcat or a mountain lion isn't out here. It's just, it doesn't even occur to you. It's much more like, wild boars rattlesnakes yeah, those exactly. are the kind of things in real life that you're just like i because that stuff will actually kill you and not like you know a mountain lion will kill you but that's like losing the lottery that's like right. buying an incredibly right. bad lottery ticket yeah know? in the book there's a village that's every time the crops are destroyed and they're like they they hire the soldiers they're like please shoot these they, we can't live yeah. they're destroying us they come down like seven samurai these are the bandits ravaging our village it's they're the fucking huge yeah. and they're and, dangerous and they, and they don't really... give up they come after them after they've shot like he will the big the big man he will still come and attack you uh, even though he's mortally wounded and the tiger will slink off once he's mortally wounded uh, yeah. but um, yeah. there, there's a fascinating interaction with the animals in the 61 version they film all the animals attacks it's fun it's fun it's almost as big a section there's a session where the it's not a ferret what is it? a sable attacks a deer and the tiny <laughs> sable takes a deer down but it's an actual scene it's not yeah. like a horrible hokey strings attached thing but there's a that's great like this. they actually film a sable sables are I have only ever seen still a, photos of Sable and they're so cute. Yeah, I know very, that I know they're vicious, but they he's, just he's look more so like cute. a yeah, like what do you call them? Like not Tasmanian devil, but he's sort of really kind of like a, a big like oh, a mom weasel. Yeah, like yeah. A, yeah, exactly. And he kind of and it's a it's obviously a baby deer, but they film this, it's all in there. They they film a, the, the, that's almost the rush. The Soviet version is a lot, ah, it's gonna get the animals yeah. out there. The tiger's also terrifying, it's very close. There's no shield, but you're like, oh, it's this funny. Is be just, hairy. just now, when you were talking about like your childhood relationship to this, uh, when I was watching this time, the tiger pits that they almost step into, right. the animal pits, I brought these flashbacks to the live action Disney Swiss Family Robinson, which the second yeah, half is that. all about trying to capture the tiger and right. the pit. Right. And it's right. like I had that same sort of like, you know, that that thought of like the wilderness and exploration. That's such an appealing thing to kids watching that this movie this time, too. I was thinking about like, you know, it's a cliche that there's that there's like no place really left on Earth to explore. But right. it, it really is true. And it really is that sense of going out in the world and just seeing it just to see it, you know, like this, this is not an expedition for mineral deposits or strategy. This is just purely like, go, go see what's fucking out there. Go walk mm -hmm. around the lake, see, see how big it is. You know, uh, the lake runs across the border of China and Russia. Like, just go, just go see what's out there, man. This is your only, you know, do some surveying. How big are these woods? And and it is definitely something there. It's hard not to be romantic about that part of it. Even as I have the agare part of me of like, 
go out to explore, you're just going to get consumed by, you know, the jungle. You know, right. uh, I there is definitely something that 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 tweaks my my Swiss Family Robinson. Uh, definitely. Uh, I, I have this. Parker? What? That was a childhood favorite of mine. Did you watch it with Parker, Swiss Family Robinson? It's the problem is with streaming services is they can immediately see how long things are when you pull it up. Oh, and man. he's oh. like 220 minutes or whatever that movie is. It's very, very long. I think it's 160 right. minutes. Just yeah, we like, had no options. We had no options. And you also, as a kid, you didn't know. You, you go know, sat and you watched. And if the movie lasted two and a half hours, that's right. how, you didn't think, hey, yeah, but was, with a kid, was... you're like, watch this. Yeah. And he's like, wait, how long is this? And it's right. like, you know. It's, it's yeah, yeah, I love I love that one. But it's also I have sort of the mountain experience that where I, I was a lot with my grandfather, the Engadine in the Swiss Alps and yeah. visit Giacometti and all this stuff. And we did many over kind of big day trips or overnight, even with my uncle. And so and this kind of awe to be in, in out there and in, at night and, and to experience this in nature, uh, even though it's completely civilized, obviously, it's the the. the uh, but it's um, there is something that where you feel in Arsenev's, even though it's not explicitly, he doesn't put this stuff in the book, which is such great value. What happens to him in between when he's back at his desk? So what we feel really greatly, I think, in 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 the absence of by not showing it, and Dersu makes mention of this later when he lives with him, that this he realizes the horrible life our CNS have. He's like, you work all the time. You sit at your desk all the time. Now I understand. I understand. He didn't, he didn't, he knew the town was to be feared. He knew that it was the end of it instinctively of what he had encountered because he makes reference to that there. So in the four years that we don't see him, he had been robbed. He had a bunch of money that he sable that he sold and he was invited to this merchant's house. They get, got him drunk and they stole his money. So there's this distrust and there's who's not naive to think that there's going to be this great life. He doesn't want to leave leave with Asinif, but when the eyesight fails him and we get that horrible tragedy of the hunter not being able to hunt anymore, the filmmaker not being able to make a movie anymore, this is when he begs him, like, please, what do I do now? I can't live. I, like, and Asinif said, I've offered to sue you. You're my family. Come with me. I'll, I, and this is where the true tragedy starts. And in the book, there's no mistake about it. The, the, the chapter's called the death of Deasu, Ursula. It's, it's not even, it's the heading. It's like, bomb. And then it goes into his whole part of town. It's not just the very end. It's the death Arsenev clearly marks with the transition from the wilderness to this civilized world, to the, the, the city. You know what it makes me That's think it. of is something that you brought up on the Wrong Real episode when you're talking about Robin and Marion, the legend that once mm. Robin leaves Sherwood, that's his end. Oh, yes. That's all I could think with Dursa once he leaves the wilderness, that's the end of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that marks such a clear part in the book and in the movie, of course, when we it's it's one of the absolute heartbreaking images. The first shot we see of Dersu wrapped in a blanket in front of the oven. And it's just heartbreaking. You see him there and it's like a little kid in prison. It feels like you've just arrested a kid. It's it's that yeah. it's that bad. He sits in front of the warm, the hearth and and it's it's sharp it's still it is no common no music it's just now we go like these big transition shots that we get from the red forest to the green forest third trip is basically home you're you're, you're taken in by this family um in the book there's never we don't see the family we don't hear the son we don't hear the wife there's, there's no part of it we just get these three incidents that there so gets very mad at that <sighs> that he has to pay for firewood when there's trees that he has to get the water when there's a river he doesn't understand that part he gets him really angry and irritated and he goes out to fell a tree in the woods and he gets arrested and as comes to free him but there's never 
the sun, the, this whole sweetness at the end, which works great for the movie just to illustrate it. Uh, epilogue, that's not in the book. And it's it's slightly maybe the only part, yeah, that I don't feel needed. But then again- But it also parts, keeps distance right. with it. It doesn't lean into it. It keeps it in a no. wide shot. You know, it keeps it sort of at arm's length. Uh, you know, we're seeing them through a door, you know, through the parents' he, perspective. Right. We're seeing it in the, the large shot of the living room. It does keep it at just enough of an arm's length distance style-wise that I feel like it's not pouring it right. on. Right. The only you know? thing I would say, it, it definitely, for sure, and it that doesn't doesn't ruin anything. It's just the big part, even when Ersu falls on his knees and he begs, Capitan, Capitan, I need to go. Let me go. That's in the book. So it's not even the bombastic moments are like what Kurosawa yeah. added to give weight. But what is a little bit, it's just a tinge in the book that's not in the book. In the book, Arseniev is very aware of Desu's state. He's never in an illusion that this is going to work out. He's just very tortured by it. He knows this is the only way and he feels bad. He really has a, has a conflict with him. And in the, in the movies, he's more like, oh, you will get to get used to it. And so in the book, there's never this. He's like, he's begging him to go. And he, he even says, when he finally lets him go, he's like, go for a month, get it out of your system, and then I'll come with you. Yeah. yeah. In the book, while well, he, he recognizes it, he's still right. thinking like, well, maybe he'd be better living with some friends of mine, you know, down in like a less populated part of the city. He's still trying to like make, you know, mm-hmm. make it all work. But it's, uh, uh, it's, it's a really tragic uh, moment. And I think the inclusion of the sun for me is vital because you can see that Dursu, even out of his element, affects people and still right. has like you know, yeah. some, obviously adores him. It's the way that the uh, the village kids love um, uh, Kikucho, you know, the uh, Mifune character from Seven Samurai. Right. Um, they you know they fall in love with him and we fall in love with him, and his death is that much more devastating because right. you know we kind of see through this child's eyes what a great man he is. Also, that, that this is there's not something unsaid that would be able to hold him back. It's like, oh, what if he met, you know, he had a family, was more interactive with him. We see that he has those things. And that's kind of important resolution in the book. And the book is it's only there two voices. The family is somehow felt, which is magical, but never described. You're not you don't have ever the impression that there are two bachelors living together. But it's they're really not mentioned, my, as I can recall it. Um, I just um, uh, it's just. You feel his torment and Arsenev's grappling with this. Um, even the part where he gives him the new rifle to go out, that's not in the book. They ultimately kill him for the rifle. But um, yeah, we have to get into that a little bit deeper. So he lets him go. He says, why don't you go out for a month? And after you return, we'll go together. We'll, 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 um, he finally has to let him go. And it'll be another trip. So that's the, the promise. And and he gives him a card, um, which has his address. And he says, I'm keeping your passport. So just like this is this connection. When, when you find you give people this card and you find a link back to us. The 61 movie opens with somebody knocking at the door, giving him the card back and says, somebody you sent to the tiger has died. And we realize, oh, it's there. So that's so both movies open with the death. Interestingly enough, Dif- different angles of it, but in, in in the Kurosawa version, we we see the very end by the town yeah. being transformed. Yeah, and and the I love markers gone. Yeah, the with the with the two trees, it doesn't explain what's happened and what that is. And I love because the whole movie, you're waiting for the significance of these trees, and they're out in nature. You know, is this where a particularly harrowing thing happened to them? Is this a tree that? 
they plant it, you know, just like all of the possibilities for the meaning of these trees uh, sort of go through your mind. And it never really occurs to you that they're grave markers until you see them out there finally at the end that he's being buried between the, the two trees. And that's one of the things I like about it is, is uh, again, like it seems like such a simple idea for a screenwriter to do this, to set up the question of what's the meaning of these trees in your mind and have them looming over everything as like a destination point for the story and to have it be a, a point of mystery that intrigues the audience. But it works and it's done so well and it's done so subtly um, that it's sort of with Kurosawa, you never feel like the shows of his virtuosity are empty. You always feel like they're very pointed. They're great movies that almost make you say, why aren't all movies this great? You know, yes. they don't seem like an unattainable ideal. They simply seem like what art cinema should be, you know, right. what cinema as art should be. They feel so natural in that way that you never feel like that sort of Kubrickian uh, monument to genius aspect of them, even as they are monuments to his genius. Right, because Kurosawa always acknowledged that they have to be entertainment and they have to say something. So these are two very things almost like these are. this is not what art cinema should be free of this. And this way also he gets attacked by Kale and these people, but he is very acknowledgeable. He's, they're entertaining and they have to make sense and they have this, this story has to be clearly formulated. All these things that he says, but then he does it with such virtuosity that every every there is the geniuses in the details right when we when he encounters the 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 two workmen that dig the grave and the kind of constable who 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 alerted and they, they look at the body his impatience and they are kind of they're just like he he's burying a friend and they are just impatient to get the document signed it's a great theater trick this is something you do for the stage where it's no words and we need to know all these different characters this is very shakespearean we need to know all these backgrounds to understand these workers they're getting a, a bottle of vodka digging a hole then they're gone the constable has to fill out the forms nobody cares about your friend that died here it doesn't matter they're like they're so matter of fact that they're like he probably got killed in his sleep because they wanted money when they couldn't find money they took his rifle but on the way in the book which is heartbreaking but here it is more done by him walking again across the train tracks and then stumbling down into the snow again away from the civilization back into the woods and there is his friend in the book we get these little markers of people that have seen there soon they're like there was an old man that talked to a crow there was a thief. we saw this guy over here so he's markedly different from everybody else that now inhabits the space He's very much a anachronism completely. There's a guy who talks to birds. There's a guy, everybody knows him where he went. He sings to himself on the road. Who would sing to himself on the road? That's, that's silly. That's great. And you know, that life was gone, gone, gone. All yeah. these things point to it. And the time he spends in the town is just weaning down. And his last hurrah is just so abruptly ended with this matter of factness. And it never, in the book, he, I say if doesn't dwell on this in the, in the, any way it's almost but the briefness of it and the description is and just by calling it the death of their Ursula and just saying I felt grief and I felt grief and that's it there's no dwelling on it and it I, I find it so here in the movie it restraint the restraint the calmness of it is so resonant that when he whispers at the end he just says Dersu. he just says it very slightly just like with an absolute loss and then the movie ends 
And it's just, yeah. oh, it's so haunting yeah, exactly. because we get the screams in the middle, in the intermission, that this love to each other. And at the end, this is unanswered. He just says it very quietly. And it's, I mean, it's big, big stuff that it's, mm. it's, it's only a master can, can play all those, uh, can hit those, those, those marks I find. And yeah, this movie is uh, forever, I, I find. And, and Kurosawa did not, even though prizes are heaped on him later, he couldn't finance a movie after this. There was no way he was in yeah. the back, back in the same spot. Say too, the, we, yeah, the, another way that the book enhances this moment when you go right. back and read after seeing the movie is that there's more detail about uh, er, uh, Dersu's rifle, the um, Burdianka, right? And they talk about how, you know, he loved the rifle, that he's had it forever. It reminds him of hunting with his father. That's something that really has a personal attachment to, uh, specifically this rifle. And so, like, again, you mentioned in the book, he doesn't, you know, furnish uh, uh, Dersu with a, a rifle, a new rifle before he sets him up and tells him this is easier to aim and things like that. But if you kind of appreciate that, like that, that attachment he has, that the, the rifle and him are like partners out into the, in the wilderness, you realize that like losing that rifle and being given this, this thing, which is, you know, a modern, you know, uh, contraption that he has no personal attachment to is another yeah. way of dying for him that he's going to going out of there. And indeed he's True. killed for the rifle ultimately. Yeah. It's interesting yeah. that um, in the when book, I... he doesn't assign himself like, you know, any kind of personal blame in, in Dursu's death, but he can't help but feel that he feels guilty at the end learning right. the rifle he gave him as as a crutch, you know, really to try to like, you know, to go out there. The entire movie he's been, you know, declining all kind of, you know, uh, amenities that he's been offering him, you know, come on, come and sleep in the cabin. He, he won't do it. He'll sleep outside, right. you know, throughout the whole thing. He wants to be himself. And finally, he has to make this compromise. I guess I can't see I'll have to take this rifle. And that's that's the end for him. Yeah, that is true. That's, that's a great way of looking. I never, I never picked up on that. But that, the, the enhancing the guilt part is something through our of giving him basically they're after this modern rifle, and that's what kills there. So is a way to to just show that that the the, the 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 responsibility that he feels in the book. But you're right that the fact that this is a modern contraption is not imbued with any sort of history or or earnedness not a partner out there that is just this modern contraption is another it's another significant um yeah it's a significant fall from the very 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 true and it, it's 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 there many times in the book when the the bottle shooting scene for example is not in the book but what is in the book is the significance of the bottle that there's who collects all the refuge that they discard and he, he picks up everything and after a while Arsenia picks up and he's like you're collecting all this stuff what is this, this is try this is and then Arsenia is very sweet about it he asks him before he throws stuff away and there's who will be very shy about it and keep everything he's like a bottle will come in useful like, and he these are his treasures these are all everything that's refuse and discarded by society these are useful and and meaningful to him and he collects them as much for a need for survival but also these are mementos of their friendship in a way yeah, it's very beautiful it's very beautiful and so yeah, kurosawa finds ways to show that to and put some drama on it in the film that totally work and are fine and are in no way um you know hurt the the, the source material but yeah you're right there's so there's so deep to to go in in any of this in any direction um in the book also the the river rafting scene sort of the the the, the sort of that's oh, yeah, not really it, the, that. yeah there's that's not sort of th those were the italian posters very cheesy sort of they're so going whoa he's going down the raft oh, fun and there's a tiger peeking up behind the forest beautifully painted <laughs> but very italian like oh this is an adventure movie swiss family robinson style there's a big waterfall and stuff so it's not in obviously not in the in the book or the movie 
But in the book, they capsize and they lose the rifles. And there's a great scene of them diving for the rifles and finding the, yeah, the necessary. That's cool adventure alone. But in the book, it's almost like Kurosawa had heard that cool story somewhere where they fell the trees and then guide them and somebody could climb out. So let's put that in there. Just a hilarious uh, scene, you know, yeah. I was like hanging on to this branch in the middle of the river being like, not that tree, that tree. <laughs> <You idiots. laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, we should mention, we should talk a little bit about the reception of the film because it, right. it was it was a fairly large success in Russia uh, and it won the best foreign language uh, Oscar in 1976. So it was not this, this complete um, uh, disaster that was thrown away, but it does get neglected. I've always felt a large part of the reason it gets neglected is just the title is that it's, you sort of, it's unidentifiably what language is that you can look at it and you glance at it and it doesn't seem to be Japanese, but what is that this character's ethnicity? Right. Where is this set? You know, if you're not able to uh, immediately identify, yeah, Nanai uh, ethnicity just on site and all of that. And it just felt, it felt like it suffers from audiences going, what is this in a way right. that, that it just, if it were just called, you know, the, the adventure and the taiga are something I do think it would have a completely different place in his filmography. The, that's a very interesting point. So now um, I never looked at like, so over 200 million Russians apparently see this movie uh, greatly reduced to 35 millimeter and obviously mono sound, not in six tracks. So yeah. this film gets kind of disseminated in a lesser form to the public. But like you said, it wins the prize. It wins all the prizes. And when it wins the Oscar in 1976 for best foreign movie, Kurosawa has a huge weight off of him because he feels his debt is repaid. The trust and the Russians put in him. Now I got you this in the height of kind of Soviet uh, American tensions. Uh, Kurosawa yeah. can bridge the gap and give you an, even an Oscar. And it's a great moment and a victory for Kurosawa. But at home, here comes a double-edged sword. That's the big change in Kurosawa's attitude to the public and also his inner life. And that's who marks the perfect spot for that. So after Dersu, he kind of gets this new wind, but it's the, the hopefulness, the optimism of, of Redbeard is gone for the next big section of his life. Yeah. They are very bleak. Dersu ends very bleak, but it coincides with a big new opening to the media. He courts the media. It's very nice. All these people he disdained for most of his life. He's now very cheerful on the Japanese media. He invites the press over. He shares this. He's gregarious. He tells fun stories, but it coincides with a deep pessimism and a kind of cynical darkening of his movies and the Japanese critics distrust that a great deal because they were accepting the, the grumpy master that's fine but that they now does a Suntory whiskey commercial because he needs he simply needs the money he, used, he only made two movies in 10 years so yeah. he needs to do what he follow in Mifune's footsteps who's already selling out because he's in deep deep trouble with his own production company so he uh while it's a bigger success in Japan then Dodaska then only slightly so and the critics really are hard to it in Japan in his own country for also the, the people that wouldn't support him in making a new movie are now saying why do you have to go to Russia to make a movie well you're not Japanese anymore which was always the criticism to him he's always regarded yeah. as a western director but so now this is that's something very... that I always find fascinating about the French right. new wave who obviously in this era that's the most influential critics along with Kale 
they just disregard him. They just think he's not, he doesn't even count because he's imitating Western stuff so much. And they definitely engage in a lot of uh, uh, condescending Orientalism with with their their writing and about especially Asian and East Asian filmmakers. And I think that's fascinating too, that just like he doesn't even count to the most influential critics of that era, you know? There's the hipster air that only will regard Mitsuguchi and Ozo, not because they are, but just the only people they know. The the, the stupidity is what keeps them away from the more popular Kurosawa and they ignore all of that big chunk. It's how I opened the big uh, uh, wrong reel episode that to set that right, I feel, because I feel perceived still to today, the real hipsters will be snark and they will find the most horrific, uh, uh, um, you know, other points to justify their ignorance. Anyhow, this is an interesting point in his own personal break, because while he is deeply hurt that he is he's not doing these commercials as fun this is a really low point that all this most brings him back down to the suicide level meanwhile he got the oscar we get wins the russian international film festival and in his mind he formulates the idea maybe i could make more russian films it's obvious to think now this was a huge success let's continue i have more ideas and the big break with the Russian, his Russian supporters. And we comes. haven't really mentioned it. He's a massive Dostoevsky fan, too. Yeah, He's a big idiot, fan yeah. of, uh, but just the novels and Russian oh, literature. Yeah. He he actually really identifies with that stuff. It's a right. little bit like, it's not like as if he were going to France uh, or something where he doesn't yeah. have the connection to culture in the same way. He likes Russian culture right. very much. Anyway. But it's also something, yeah, you said, John, that he has this all over the world. Nanook of the North is one of his favorite silent movies. Yeah. It inspires this. So he can pick German themes. He can pick Fritz. He's just a great worldly man, John Ford, yeah. like we said. But he would have found topics, but he goes to a screening in Rome or something. And he sees a horrific version of it with new music cut to shreds, like typical Italian stuff. He's like, what is probably matching the poster I just described. And he's like this, he's horrified. And he goes to the Russian and, uh, uh, authorities there and they, he finds out they gave permission to this. And this breaks complete trust with them that they, after being his sort of suitors, this is it now. I don't, I can't come to you either anymore. I'm completely alone. Nobody will finance my films. And he kind of, he has a film that he wants to develop already while finishing the Desu uh, is, is Ran. It's his big sort of King Lear thing that starts very different though as an exploration of Japanese history. Only later does he make the, the, the connection to, uh, to Shakespeare again, like he did with Throne of Blood. And he can't find financing. So they decide to, which is a ghost town by now. Nobody's, Godzilla is even out of the lot. There's nobody yeah. there anymore. It's completely empty. He starts to paint the movie, which he's a great painter. Uh, and he decides to, okay, I can't make this. At least let me leave a record of what I wanted to make. And he starts to make 250 paintings of finishing the movie basically in, in on paper. And uh, with that, um, George Lucas, at the same time, he is through his uh, uh, Zoetrope friend, uh, uh, Coppola, of course, that there is, um, there, there's a chance to meet uh, Kurosawa and they all admire Milius, that whole new filmmaker. Obviously, they have great debt. It's interesting that we haven't mentioned Jeremiah Johnson at all. Right. But right. anyway, Which go on. A, a favorite too. A very, yeah. And a very comparable to this movie in a lot of ways. But very um, much. Yeah. And he, um, and, and, and so he, he, Kurosawa shows him with great enthusiasm all these paintings. And, and to his biggest credit of George Lucas's career is that he takes the power and the clout he gets from Star Wars and he says, how much you need 
It's like, I can get this done. I, I, I can get you four or five million. This is all you need. But he shames Toho into putting up the other half. And he goes to Alan Ladd at, at Fox 20th Century. And he goes, you know, those Star Wars movies you want. You know what I want to make? I want to make this. And he goes, Alan Ladd is so happy. He's just walking on cloud. He's like, yeah, don't worry about it. Five million. Just, more Star Wars, more Star Wars. Which is interesting because they're kind of responsible for the Torah, Torah, Torah debacle a little bit earlier, which also we've left out. But anyhow, the, the amazing thing is that Lucas and Coppola then co-produce and help him to sort of, in a great, beautiful gesture, uh, to realize the film which we probably would have never gotten. And it doesn't matter how many Oscars, and it goes to show you another big lesson, all, all these successes that we are all struggling with our personal artwork, where we think we've arrived and we find out we haven't. This has even happened to Kurosawa, which is always yeah. a big uh, Van Gogh uh, 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 link, and also a huge um, relief in a way, and also a huge despair that uh, nobody can get as, as as fantastic as that. And still you're facing these uh, right. Kurosawa he, he said, can't get money to make a film. No, and he can't make a <laughs> modern movie. The they offer him TV stuff, but he said even there, the stuff he wants to do um, to shine a light on modern Japan would never get greenlit by these these now these kind of stone faced politician and bureaucrats. That there's no way that he could even make Ikiro. He said he's there's no way they would it's never let them show that uh, the Italians are the ones who butcher the movie because you know who distributed it in the States was Roger Corman. Exactly. And we have <laughs> him to thank that uh, that he kind of disseminates this because it would have never left the kind of circuit of the, the it would have been just the festival circuit or something. And to the fact mm -hmm. that he, of course, greatly reduces it to some, uh, uh, with the print and stuff. And nevertheless, um, to his credit, you know, he distributes Bergman at the time. He does yep. Amarcord and Fellini right. and stuff. So yeah, there's all these... The filmmakers that keep film culture alive, not the critics that just kill things, you know, it's, it's the ones <laughs> that come to sell, to help this master that he's obviously a master and to have this whole second, which none of his contemporaries got, none of them, not Kobayashi, not Honda, not, they, they, they're just basically done. And Kurosawa is the only one that managed to have a second win. Well, Ichikawa, Ichikawa keeps making movies. Oh, yeah. Konda's TV. He doesn't give a yeah. shit. Konda's TV. He does commercials. He comes from commercials. He, he does, does, okay, he does theater. weird E.T. knockoffs. He does anything. Uh, yeah, exactly. He does. Uh, so Khan is a, is a little bit different. He's, he's a different. trickster god. He doesn't he doesn't have. And he the, was never he was never on the level of the four nights necessary. He's not Kobayashi, you know, I, uh, in terms of his stature. Do you think he was? Yes. Yes. I think with yeah. those three, I think maybe Kinoshi. I think a, he's as good as them. I mean, do you, yes. in terms of his reputation, yeah, I think do you with think those, it was that? Oh, yeah. And for example, he was he's beloved in Japan. Okay. Kurosawa wasn't. Yeah. And even, even, even Kobayashi did too few movies. And they were yeah. very few. And Khan just, to, Tokyo Olympiad, he's just, Khan is a Oh, yeah, 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 so, yeah. And fire on the plane. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, and that's almost <laughs> his... One of these people that I admire, because in my work, I try to find the right form for each topic. I don't have a style. And Khan doesn't have a style. Like, he's just, he comes from the great Dai school, obviously, which also is the first big studio that goes bankrupt. And he just adapts. He survives. And he just writes scripts with his wife, Natawada. And he's just an absolute chameleon. And never does he lose anything. He does yeah. basically, yeah, startling films, then meaningful films, then complete throwaway. Then he has the second win with all these details detective movies uh great big success in japan more successful than any kurosawa ever at the home box office so um yeah he, he directs until the 80 he does puppet theater stop motion yeah. animation so he uh, <laughs> that th that is pretty the biggest tragedy is that the club of four nights never got to which a model that would make sense is 
to produce a movie together and then go off on their own movie and then come back Zoetrope yeah. style to convene and, and make another pay. It it could have probably prolonged the downfall of Japanese cinema. It really was the model for it, but just the horrible, <laughs> so that, um, Dora Haita was the first one they wanted to make, which is uh, got later realized by Ishikawa. Uh, it was kind of too big, a Jidaigeki big epic, and they decided on Dora then, which... Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, that was the wrong uh, choice. But again, I think even Kurosawa, there are many beautiful stories of him when he... Can I go just launch to the Kana episode right now? That's what we're going to do. Oh, yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah, I, I, there's so many I have not... I, I'm dying to see again. When I was in Japan, I can kick myself now. I, I was basically... I don't know why. It was a... It was a I had a... I had a um, studio near like a giant big steel town, the most ugly place you could ever imagine. Like you drive through Honshu and you come through the bays and it's all the screen prints you could ever see. And you're like, this is Japan. This is my idea of Japan. And you arrive in the absolute sort of, sorry, sort of eighties abyss of steel mill, the equivalent of the, the deer hunter depression where I lived in Japan. And I was just saying that there was a video store there in the middle of nowhere in Kyushu, which was so stocked to the guilds of, it was the equivalent of any kind of New York, east village mega place and i could kick myself that i just didn't rip just rip through that yeah. in the movies because i saw stuff there that i is impossible to find now unless i go back and i saw much match in without english of course most of it was without english but most of the cons i sought out and that i i'm i'm depressed that i didn't take um just didn't just didn't just rip more because they didn't care yeah i just should have gone should because i certainly didn't do much learning art i just watched movies and stuff and traveled around but uh -huh. yeah um i forgot where it, uh, where i was but um that they never went out and came back the four nights sorry i just my medicine makes oh, me yeah, sick don't... i had to go throw up real quick oh no sorry. yeah Take so, your time. no i'm oh, back i'm completely fine i just oh, i was like give me one sec Sorry, um, sorry it's completely okay yeah it's but, also all this talking i always feel so you breathe in so much air during podcasting i always get this bloated stomach <laughs> where it's just completely like feel sick um yeah that the, the four nights is sort of the big tragedy that they couldn't um go through with that model and i i think it would have really helped to 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 go back and um i think i said all that part to go <laughs> and and rejuvenate the japanese film industry for a longer time but yeah for um, for Kurosawa, Dersu, if we say Dodeska then is this one sort of fall in Madadayo and maybe later Rhapsody in August, but it is definitely something that most artists don't get a chance to and most artists uh, don't can't rise to that occasion also to make something yeah. like Dersu because it's just the perfect... He doesn't fall in any of the traps of making a big Mifune is back, Kurosawa it's so, is back. It's so it's yeah. such an interesting movie because it does it does stand out from everything else he does. It doesn't remind you of sort of the late masterpieces, which Dodeskadin does. I feel like Dodeskadin is him struggling to find the handle on what would become Kagamusha and Ran and Dreams. You know, I feel like he can't get there without that film. Dursu doesn't feel like a step of evolution anyway. It obviously doesn't feel like the, the Jedi Gekes at all. It doesn't right. feel like the, the earlier film, sort of like the pre-Rashomon, pre-history movies. It doesn't feel like, oh, he's gone back to One Wonderful Sunday or something. It doesn't right. feel like that at all. Uh, it's, it's a very singular film within his career 
career. And I do think that that's probably also part of the reason that it doesn't have the correct reputation is that it doesn't overtly resemble his right. other stuff. It's quite good, but it's quite good in an entirely different way. You know? Yeah. And the dumbest thing that they sort of try to cram in there because of the obvious, uh, Leone thing is that they were trying to push it like, oh, that's Kurosawa's Western, which is the most what thing Jesus of all Christ. time. Like, it couldn't be. It, it makes we can't. We have to move on right away from that. Story. <laughs> we can't even unpack that. It's so dumb. It's but so far sort of removed way, from Leone. Yeah, it's too. sort of the only thing that they could do. Like, ah, you know, how do we now promote this comeback? But like you said, Roger Corman, and it's put out there, and it, it, it I think it's open to the public. Then later in the in seventy eight it's like a big gap in between when it was released yeah. so the american audience kind of like you said with the name it's kind of and you do it's, and if, i mean it's I a film about generous, soldiers but it's not a war film if you know. i want to be generous and look at if i'm in the 70s i'm a power critic and we're all jerking each other off every day how great <laughs> we are and this comes along i would maybe find also go to the to the pen and write the easy thing this is not the heights of of just because I want to make the statement how much I'm I know about Yujimbo and so have a samurai, maybe I would write a horrible article that it's it's not the master of old. But obviously we get the 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 luxury of of coming to this in the 80s as kids or in the 90s and discovering this movie fresh and just uh, for me it was truly like this is a book I love and it's made by what by my favorite yeah. director it was that kind of like win I could have never this this was never going to disappoint me whereas um with Dodeska then it was obviously Kurosawa trying to find start low key go for much less money go for a lot shorter screwing character and kind of do a Tishigahara thing like let me adapt a beautiful novel that's already very popular yeah and let me start like this it kind of also makes sense as a young production company it's not like we can any of these decisions from the critics or him are not like mind-blowing like how could they not see it it's just in the time with retrospect we see these with giant blunders in both the reception of the movie but also i think the distrust back then was at the height of winning Oscars winning any kind of yeah. prize was almost already yeah, like, okay, we can't trust. This is obviously not the young filmmakers who are shooting mean streets, uh, you yeah. know, in gritty New York, you know, and stuff, changing whatever they, cinema whatever, forever, whatever. Yeah. They, yeah, exactly. Whatever they championed, you know, at the time and being so proud of it, I get the defense. We all engaged in it when we defend something we love so much, but for Kurosawa, I think, um, yeah, it's his, it's his exile and it's such a triumph to come out of there. And I, I think about it often and how would I, and not obviously in Kurosawa's shoes, but the times I've been struggling with the identity of an artist or an illustrator, or where do I go? I think a lot about those photos of him being like on the Kremlin with the big fur hat and he's looking yeah. chipper and great, but inside it must have been in that Moscow hotel room not with the family, but completely yeah. at the end. And like, he's, there's also a lot of pressure, like Cablo, do what you want. You're hundred yeah. percent correct. And then not be able to come through with it with an unknown crew in Siberia, 60 in your sixties. I'm like, and <gasps> unknown actors where you don't yes. even have that sort of load star guiding you in any right. way. If Mifune is on it, you've got another major creative force. Instead, you've got, you know, you've got uh Munchek who's, basically an amateur you know not right. an that's really unfair who's basically an unknown and comes from a smaller school and a smaller background yeah. and theater community you know very well not an amateur at all that was completely no, but, wrong thing in fact i, I want to cut mean. it out no yeah. but i know no I, I think i think what you meant and this is very true an amateur 
in the movies because theater acting is very different than movie acting. Yeah. And you're not, you can't necessarily rely on that this guy can fill or tone not it down. Not a star, not a movie no, star, not at you all. know? Yes, so it's very much... He's and your whole, been... your whole movie hinges on people are going to love him as much as they love Mifune. The whole right. movie hinges oh, on that, God. right? Yes. You know? Yes, yes. And, and making that work. His other big, his other big uh, appearance in the movie in the 70s is... Uh, Siberia, which is made by uh, uh, Kachiklovsky, who of course ends up making Runaway Train, the movie that Kurosawa tried to make for years and years. Yes. Oh, interesting. Yeah. There's a whole Runaway Train uh, yeah, episode we have to do. That, that's also fraught with insane production. It's sort of these, it's, he writes, he develops like three scripts. He also does uh, Mark of the Red Death by Poe. So that comes alongside with, um, with Kagemushna and Ron. Yeah. So and he's, it's... Try, he's trying, you can see he's trying these things. And it's, it's, um, it is, it's almost the, the moving Ron back. And getting Kagem, it was one of those strokes of luck. Like he had the bad luck with Dodeska then, that it, it almost, that was the perfect way. If you, because I don't know if you go run right away after there. So yeah. you like, bah! I don't know if that could have, you needed Kagemusha, which has a lot of humor and it's it's beautiful. And it reintroduces Tatsuya Nakadai as the lead instead of having Mifune. And it kind of clears the air. These are markedly different now. We're not trying to, gloom on to throne of blood or or or, or hidden fortress or anything this yeah. is um, uh, I, I have different interests exploring the japanese uh history which he got offered to do shogun obviously with uh um with with mifune and so that this was part of his grumpiness he re he's like i i won't accept until i read the book and he goes halfway through and he's like i can't i mean Go ahead, do it. I'm not doing this. <laughs> this has nothing to do with history. And it was obviously a big success, but I don't know how much Shogun cost, but it was like triple of a Kurosawa movie. So they yeah. got imagine like, you can spend the money. Like you, you can, obviously. So um, one thing we haven't, uh, oh, yeah. sorry. I was going to say, we haven't mentioned Yuri Solomon's name at all, who oh, yes. plays uh, uh, Arseniev, right? And he's very good too. He's somebody who I think in this movie, again, he's not a movie star. He was not, he was a known Russian actor, but he was not one of some towering figure in Russian cinema. And he's very good. He's very charming in his own way. You get why Dursu likes him too. Right. He has a calm and uh, a natural authoritative quality and a decency to him that's very appealing. You get why they're friends because they're yes. both good people and the actor really embodies it it's, very, very well, I'd say. And it's a it's, tough role. It's a tough role. It's hard to convey a military man, a scientist and an explorer and to enhance kind of be the be be like feed there so there's who's the star but you you have to enhance him he's the straight man in many ways and kurosawa says he picked him because he was very intelligent like he responded right away oh this guy yeah he got lucky with those two on the mission because if you're with the wrong guy if you if you take the wrong <laughs> guy into a if you take harvey Keitel into the jungle instead <laughs> you know it could end uh yes and oh you're dying out there on like kanak right right <laughs> like, exactly um, well, it's just great to just see the balance of these two characters, you know, where he thinks of Dursu as being naive because he lets himself be cheated. You know, he doesn't understand the way the modern world works. But at the same time, he's going to freeze out on that lake, you know, without Dursu there. Like he's naive right. going into this wilderness and the things that he learns from Dursu are so much more obviously valuable than the things he has to teach him. So it's that sense of wonder that we kind of attach to it as well. And that, that yeah. love of a person who, you know, you actually benefit from their relationship more than just being friends. It's like you actually are becoming more of like a person 
through this other person. Yeah, he retells the sun at the very end when the sun is marveling. He's like looking at Darius's adventures and he's like, but yeah, without without him, your father would have died many times. He goes, really? You never told of this. You never told me. And again, it enhances. They're not bragging about these adventures they're having. These are intimate stories where they know what they did that night together and how close it was. This is something, a bond between them. But then that doesn't get lorded over anybody nobody knows these stories you know and even in the book they're very sort of and then we got back to camp and they they cheered because they thought oh they must have gone somewhere but they it's never then related to the soldiers in any great way like how close it was or something and nobody's astonished or something at least these are things are left out of the book where obviously they, they happen a lot more in those silences but i find exactly they're, they're, they're beautiful things in there like um w- the way they relate to each other um, Desu and Arseniev, it, which is also, by the way, astonishing. It is in the 61 version. That part is really good. The, 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 it's not as great as is this, but the Desu character is very good, the actor. He's very much, he looks like Desu in the, in the photos. And that's another great part, which I always love in movies. I don't know. It's, it always works for me if the movie around is good as a photo montage. We get a beautiful little yeah. photo montage of them together that yeah. kind of mm-hmm. really, the memories of them that we don't get to see, like hunting yeah. boars. And it's a little photo, black and white photo montage that exactly kind of mirrors the photos we know of the historical yeah. figures. And it's even the same posture, kind of leaning forward with the yeah. rifle. That's the exact there's also a posture that we know from the from the photo records, the actual ones. And that's super charming and lovely in the middle of the movie. And it's almost like Butch Cassidy. Yeah, uh, very much that same sepia tone. In the yeah. same way, uh, it kind of lifts it up again. It gives a humor and a lightheartedness, and it doesn't weigh it down. And and it's just sort of like you accept this is now the history. A little little things of soldiers playing with the hat and beautiful like a freedom that a filmmaker then takes to root it in a sort of history that now as i find this sometimes kurosawa steps out and is very aware of the legend here like, yeah. yeah yeah well this is a way of, of kind of wrapping things up i just want to say like another thing that i really appreciate about seeing this movie again and just feeling just falling under its power and like finding it so beautiful is i kind of want to be a little bit easier on someone like the filmmakers who you know i've grown up with like cronenberg who like oh their late stuff is not as good as the bad it's the old stuff you know i kind of want to maybe try to open my mind up a little bit more to like to doing something completely different like you said tony that you know kurosawa made something that was completely unlike the other films he made maybe it's the whole you know the the, the noose of autorism that you know kind of like got, did him in you know you can't stray that far away from like what we what we were familiar with what we recognize from you if you're too different then you call you clearly lost it you know you, you're not an artist in our eyes anymore so yeah. I, I am hoping that like as kind of time goes and like we kind of move further away from like its contemporary reviews and things like that, people will appreciate this film more and kind of consider it a major Kurosawa, which very much deserves to be. Yeah, 100%. I would echo that. And I hope that we do get like, uh, yeah, as much as possible, we do get into the late period of people that get to make these films, because I don't feel that's out there anymore much until unless you do, you know, um, uh, TV or you find another way or take over a franchise or something like this is it's nothing we want to get into too deep here but we do when you look at artists like I do I do appreciate of course the monumental Giacometti the Bacons that kind of ended in their style and they ended in a way to kind of Bruce Lee you know it's it's over yeah. Bruce Lee that, that we never got to see the horrible TV movies he would make later you never on. got his, his to see his mystery of Oberwald <laughs> 
<laughs> perfectly put <laughs> exactly so so it's, uh, yes and 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 of course with kurosawa i feel a personal such a huge affinity to and in madadayo is not good and rhapsody in august is not good but when you can remove yourself from uh the big stuff and and uh, there are uh, amazing things to find you do recognize them and then you got to give them the freedom you gave me so much pleasure in these other things i i i'm 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 so grateful i watched that those yeah two. um well it's interesting every- when you when you were mentoring before that the mark of a true talent is he brings stays true to the spirit of the book and then adds upon it and expands it and makes it even better you know with with ran which is um one of his 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 last films obviously and it's a complete and total masterwork i think one of the most conclusive arguments that Kurosawa's the greatest filmmaker of all time, which I think I, I would argue is the case, is that he takes Shakespeare and he improves upon Shakespeare. <laughs> Rand is better than King Lear. You know, yes. I don't I don't think Throne of Blood is better than Macbeth. I think they're of equal stature. And right. I think it's no insult to King Lear to say Rand is better than it. But if you put those next to each other, it improves upon Shakespeare. So yes. I think that that's a real testament to what he's able to accomplish. And then obviously Hamlet is much better than bad sleep well but that's no slight on bad bad sleep well no, no but um but i do think that it is so rare to get that kind of late career supernova like ran you know and uh to just have that opportunity to see it and dursu's definitely a step on that very strange path he had the post redbeard path you know where redbeard really is like this wall or like this road that just leads to a cliff suddenly cutting through the road. You know what I mean? It's a very strange moment that almost results in his death. He almost kills mm-hmm. himself over it, you know, mm-hmm. and to sort of put the context Dursu in the context of building back some bridge to rant, I think is, is interesting in that context as well to just appreciate it as somebody saving himself from immolation and destruction and despair, you know, and, and getting away from the tiger keeping a right. shot, getting to take that final shot and hitting the rope that the bottle's hanging from, you know? Yeah, perfect. Well, awesome. We should talk about Ron in the episode. We should we should do a runaway train episode. <laughs> I would love to do that. Oh, yes. But Tony, we're going to let you have the last word here, but I just want to say before you do, thanks for talking to this movie. Thanks for talking with us about this. Yeah, film. man. This is absolutely great. Yeah. Anytime uh, with you guys, I'm so grateful. I get I get to hear all your episodes, and it really is always a pleasure. And, and when I get to chime in, which I always do anyhow, even if I'm not <laughs> on the episode, then I um it's even more of a pleasure. But yeah, anytime um this sort of got started as like anytime you talk about Kurosawa, I'll jump in. I can do it now, <laughs> and then it took like months to do it. But I'm 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 so I'm so glad we did because yeah, to share with uh, with people that equally love this and and to get it out there, and we of course. As a last word, again, I'll, 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 I'll do the threads on Twitter that I always love to do. As you hear this episode, we'll, we'll, we'll pictorialize a lot of the similarities and things we found and history and links that we maybe didn't get to talk about here uh, that, that uh, will enhance, I think, the, the, the episode even a little bit that we on do both sides. It was great fun to do that on Suzuki, and this is going to be great, too, because it does have it spawns many. There are many links into other movies. Yeah, for and, sure. And the fact that Kurosawa gets to then bring Ishiro Honda back and gets to rework 
some of his friends and reinvigorate Japan because of generosity of the Russians and the Americans later of the people he taught. It's a big, beautiful circle that filmmakers do for other filmmakers. And um, it, uh, yeah, Desu is a special one and it will uh, give it a shot. If you have never seen it, it will it will absolutely give, give in to it. It's magic and read the book because it's just as good. It's fantastic. Thanks again for being on the show, Tony. There's, there's nobody I'd rather talk Kurosawa with.